Hello, Internet. You're listening to the In Your House Comedy Podcast with the Babyface and his fellow funny friend. Now hold on to your butts. Keep your arms and legs inside the podcast at all times. Prepare to have an autographical orgasm in three, two, two, one. Hello everybody then and welcome to another episode of the In Your House Comedian Podcast. I am your comedian babyface and all around lovable tithead Katie Hinken. This is the show where I am joined by one of my fellow funny friends from around the comedy circuit to talk about absolutely anything and everything to entertain all of you beautiful people in internet world at home. This time I'm joined by one of the creative connoisseurs behind Proper Sound Comedy. I recently popped my online comedy night cherry on his night, and I have to say I, enjoy- I did enjoy it a lot more than I thought I would, as I said to you, Colin. Uh, but yeah, without further ado, please welcome Colin Etches. Yeah. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How about you? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, I'm really good. Yeah, I'm really so, glad. I'm quite, I'm quite glad not to have an online show this week. We did four. We did one a week through January because we we didn't know whether we were going to go back into lockdown or not. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we put one a week on, and thought, thankfully, this week we've got a week off. <laughs> yeah. So you, do, I remember you saying about that last time. Actually, you're doing one a week before then. So now you're doing one every other week. We've gone back to one every other week now. So the next one will be on the thirteenth. Yeah, I, I think that. I think that helps anyway, though, like sometimes going down to like every other week, just so you can make sure you can do everything and it like all, because there's a lot more that goes into arranging gigs than people realise. I think every, I think with the online shows, every week tends to dilute the audience a bit because nobody can make every week. So yeah, yeah. I think if, you, if you've got two a month rather than four a month, it's more likely you'll get everybody turn up. Yeah. Than but, if you do it every week, because let's face it, who's got every Sunday anyway? It's done me in. in. There's five Sundays in January. It's strange doing stuff on a Sunday, doing it. I think a Sunday is a really good day for it, though, to be fair. It's nice for the online stuff. Yeah. um, Because there's not a lot of gigs on a Sunday. Mm. So we get get a better pick of comics on a Sunday. Um, But yeah, I mean, we started doing it during lockdown and and we tried to stop, but we've got a bit of a loyal (laughs) audience that threatened to rebel on us. I like that you tried to stop. We <laughs> just to let you. It's a bit like drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Comedy in general is a lot like drugs. Let's be fair. <coughs> it is. I, I think can't we do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about it like that. You can't afford to do. You have to go really far to get it normally. And yeah, you never. It's never quite there when you want it. Yeah, it's never quite as good as you thought it'd be. <laughs> you know. I, I've never done crack, but they talk about but crackheads that I've spoke to makes it sound like my house is crawling with them. But <laughs> crackheads that I've spoken to have said that they spend big years, big chunks of their lives chasing that first hit. Yeah, yeah. You know, and comedy is a bit like that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But it's not. It's more the when I went on stage for the first time, I was a bundle of fucking nerves. Yeah, so, same. I say them every time, man. You know, I, I'm not now. I, we were talking about this the other day, and yeah, yeah, I just don't get that pre-stage nerves anymore. I just, I get that. I, I mean, if I have a good, if I have a good one, I come off shaking. Yeah, yeah, the adrenaline. Yeah, yeah, the adrenaline kicks in. But I never really got the. I mean, I'm a broadcaster, a musician as well, so 
being in front of a microphone was never was yeah. never anything that was that um that alien to me See, I, I know we share like the musical background and that, but um, I was the drummer, of course. So, and one thing in my main band that I was with most of the time um, was that I just wasn't because they were my friends as well, like beforehand. Um, and they were just like, "Yeah, we know what you like. You're not allowed a live mic. You're not allowed a mic." Like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's still new to me, you know. Miserable bastards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just meant that any time in between songs, if they weren't ready to jump into the next thing, I was just like, well, I'm not sitting here and being quiet. I just get up and jump on the mic. Yeah. Some stupid stuff. Yeah. So you, was, you was a guitarist in that, weren't you? I'm a guitarist, singer. I can play anything mm. with strings, really. Oh. Um, mandolin. I have to get you down with me in my bassist sometime and have a jam. Yeah, I love... I started as a bass player. Oh, and okay. I I learned to play bass just to be in a band. When I first yeah. learned to play bass, all I knew was the 12 bass lines. I didn't know anything else. I knew no music theory, nothing. I just knew these 12 bass lines. <laughs> so when you say lines, you mean like scales or? Pardon? What, no, what I, mean when you say lines? I, knew, I knew that he, he wrote them down. Oh. What, what they did is they put stickers on the bass and numbered them. <laughs> So I literally, I didn't even know what notes I was playing. I just knew where my fingers needed to be. <laughs> Man, in all honesty, though, I think that's the best way to learn an instrument because that's essentially yeah. how I learned drums as well. I learned, me and my bassist at the time, uh, we both start. I started playing drums, he started playing bass, and we just kind of, we were playing together and also learning our instruments at the same time, the you know. Is, as a bass player, right, the, the, the... The rhythm section bits, the 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 background stuff, the percussion and the the the, it's all really tough stuff, man. You've got to like keeping it tight. So for yeah. me, even as a guitarist now, I'm I'm a I'm a straight rhythm guitarist. I don't do anything flash. I don't play lead. Do you know what I mean? For me, yeah, yeah. For me, the excitement comes at holding that that base of the music solid, so that the guys that are really good can show off. Because yeah, I'm not really yeah. good. I can hold a fucking... I can hold hold a rhythm. Do you know what I mean? And, and I know exactly what you mean. But with every, every, every... You know, every... Jimi Hendrix wouldn't have been able to do what he wanted if he didn't have them three musicians around him. You know what I mean? Filling yeah, in for yeah. the guitar. When he, when he was off showing off, there was still a guitar in the background. Do you know what I mean? And I think... Mm -hmm. no, I, get no, no. I get my excitement from that, from holding something tight for a long time. No, I, I understand that. I think like, probably more so as a drummer as well, I get that. Um, and I've always seen, like, especially with, I've always thought it especially with drums and bass, but I never really thought about the rhythm guitar aspect, but that um, totally fits in with it too. It should all feel like, like during a song, it should feel like one instrument. If that makes sense. Yeah. As you said, like, so tight in that. Like, when you're in a band as well, you know, you're like, as soon as you're sick of playing a song together, that's when you're really ready to, you know, play it at any point. You know, you can yeah. whip it out of yeah. nowhere, you know. And it's funny you should say that because, actually, I was thinking that the other day. I was thinking, God, I'm bored of some of my material. And one <laughs> of my other comic friends said to me, that means you've got it down. Do you know yeah. what I mean? That means, that means you don't need to work with that anymore. That means that bit sound, it's in the bag. And of course, it's going to bore you repeating the same shit all the time. Yeah, yeah. Do you know Definitely. What I mean? Oh, you know. But that's why I like to write. I mean, I've probably got, I don't know, an hour. Mm. 
you know what I mean? And I've, I've only been writing since February. But you've got to put the hours in, man. I don't know how hard you work with your writing, KD, but I love the writing. I love the writing more than the performing. Yeah, I, I'm a writer in general, man. Um, I've written a lot of stories in the past. I've just written a pilot for um, a sitcom, for example. I, lo I love writing myself, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, I put a lot of time... The way I try and do it with my... Um, what, what would you call it, I suppose? My... What, you know, just my way of doing it for writing comedy. I always have a book with me. I always have my phone with me. And whenever something comes in... Oh, I'll whack my laptop on charge. One sec, sorry. Oh, that... now. well, that, that'll be for the chopping board, won't it, that little bit? Yeah, yeah, I'll cut this little bit out. Cut that... So I can say cunt and everything, and it won't matter. <laughs> you can say whatever you want anyway, dude. <laughs> I forgot what we were talking about now, though, so it don't matter. The processes for writing in that, like, for me... Um, one of the main things that I do is I always have like a notebook on me, I always have something on me where I can write when I get an idea. And then I really like kind of pick it apart. Then later when I'm getting, I really start picking it apart and figuring out the format of it more, more when I'm setting up um, a structure for a set. Or I, look, I, try, I try and look at it like that. Like I look at it, I see structure to be just as important as what you're saying and how you're saying it. Mm. It's, it's not just what you say and how you say it, it's when you're saying it. Yeah. You know, before, after, what, like, callback jokes, that kind of thing, you know. And at the beginning, at the beginning, there's no substitute just for getting out and doing it. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. you're going to land flat. You're going to, you know what I mean? Jokes aren't going to work. You, you, yeah. Every, no, unfortunately, 99% of comics are not Russell Kane. You don't walk out and win laughing or comedy competition on your sixth gig or something. Do you know what I mean? Wow, I didn't. That's not how it goes, is it? Conversely, I don't buy into this. I don't know. You listen to old hands on the open mic circuit, and they'll mm. go, "I've got to wait my turn. I've got to do my. I've got to pay my dues. I've got." And I don't buy it's like that either. Do you know what I mean? I think if you're good enough and you're funny and you can put yourself out there. Yeah, Why do you yeah. have to wait 10 years just because Mickey Flanagan was a comic for 14 years before he got anywhere? I don't I don't subscribe to that. That's no, all that I thought. Like, you, I, I agree, and dis, well, not even that I disagree. I think both are true. You know, I think um, there's all different versions of just because someone hasn't made it for 10 years doesn't mean they can't in 11 years, but at the same time, some people do it quick. Um, but I think a lot of it is to do with. Um, like you said, it's about obviously how funny you are in that, but also just making sure you're in the places to get noticed, putting yourselves yeah. in those situations. Yeah, give everyone always thinks that you get given opportunities as well. It's not really that you have to like fight to keep your People name. Think that yeah. Just being funny is enough. Yeah, you, not, you have that's it's a fight to keep fact. your name relevant. Yeah, that's the sad fact that being funny isn't enough. Yeah. You know, having the material is your first objective. Because until you've got a tight set, you won't discover who you are as a comic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I mean, my set changed so much over the like. Um, uh, originally, it changed, and over, over the pandemic as well, doing so much online stuff like with the podcasting and that, um, it changed as well a lot. In that, I realised the stuff that should be talked about on a podcast and what should be talked about on stage. You know. Yeah. I just think I, I, for me, I, I I took up comedy only in February. Um, and I thought, yeah, you're celebrating your uh, anniversary then. Yeah, almost my anniversary. Yeah, Valentine's yeah. Day was the first gig I did. Oh, what? 
Um, and it saved me, man. I was really low. We were living out in Holland. I'd not worked for 18 months because of the lockdown. We had no money. I was pretty much ready for jumping under the next tram, if I'm honest. Yeah, man. It was a hard time for a lot of people. And I understand. I know some people that did, so I get you it. Know, we were, me and the missus were spending a lot of money on Zoom shows. We were going to a lot of... And they were good shows. I'm not, not knocking them. But yeah. they weren't they weren't like ours. Ours are, <laughs> ours are unique among Zoom shows. You know what I mean? We have a lovely atmosphere. And even if the even if the audience is only sort of 15, 20, and then you've got the comics on top, because of the way we run the show, everybody hangs about, the comics support each other, and it's a nice show. Yeah, you, know you know, so, but and, what, um, I, what I saw was a lot of Zoom shows that people were paying seven and eight quid to see, and they were shit. <laughs> and I'd always yeah. fancied being a comedian. So I kind of just, it just sort of happened, really. I, I, I just feel, I feel like at this level as well, that we're not really, like, um, money shouldn't come into it. Because, well, I don't see, like, the point, like, I don't feel like I should be charging people to come in and do stuff, um, to see us at the moment, like, just because we're all developing still, which is why, like, that new night I've got coming up, like, you know, there's no money involved in any of this. Yeah. Just, I think people coming and having story. eyes on you is more important. The only problem with that, KD, and it, and I've got the same problem in Nottingham. I run two gigs in Nottingham, and one of them's an open mic, and one of them's a showcase, right? Mm. Now, the open mic, I do a bucket split for the comics, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I don't make... I take a split as the MC, obviously, as a comic, but um, I do as much work for that as I do for my ticketed gig. I don't get yeah. no... I don't get anything. Do you know what I mean? I, and that's mm -hmm. the problem. That's why open mics really are labours of love. They are, yeah, completely. I, this I said this when um when I started like however like four years ago or something now, something like that. Um the reason I was able to feel like that I was able to develop so much was because there were so many open mic nights available at the time. And they've just completely died out now. So I just kinda of wanted to do one for that reason, you know. Like so over because like on the first night, the one you're at, we've got someone who's only doing their fifth ever gig, for example, yeah. doing five minutes. And then um, on the third night, he's coming back to do like a 10-minute set. And I love that, being yeah. able to see that development of people. It's just nice, man. It's cool. Well, yeah, but something like that's brilliant. Because if I'm there in the if I'm there as a comic and someone's only done a, a few gigs and they go out and do a five, then I'm just itching to give them feedback as well. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm itching to go... Yeah, that was brilliant. That was not so good. That the, you know, I mean, I'm I'm just itching. Me and my uh, business partner have just started. Um, we're gonna that, do um, Rachel. Me and Rachel, yeah, we're gonna do um, we're gonna do writing workshops for for beginners. Ooh. Stand up workshops, stand up writing workshops for beginners. But what we've also been doing is we've been working with a comedian recently, and. Um, We've been acting as uh, writing consultants. Okay. And um, it's actually worked really well. And I think we've found a model for that that's going to work now. So that'll be that's quite exciting. And I'd love to work with as many comics as possible, really. Because, mm. um, I mean, I, 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 I'm lucky because I've got, you know, when I, when I found comedy, I found my people. Comedians yeah, are my yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about you. 
Right? Oh, I completely agree with that. Hundred percent, millions of my people. I mean, they're mm. assholes. Yeah, oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> they're, 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 you know, they're we, we're egotistical. We do yeah. want attention, but we also don't want attention at the same time yeah. as well. So this weird and, midplace. And listen, we there are there's some bitchiness involved, and it's just a little bit. Yeah, um, but I think on the whole, we're quite supportive of each other. Yeah, they're few know, and far yeah. between when people are acting dicky. And out of the two encounters I've had, I think only one of them was genuine dickiness. The other one was just because of the time of year it was, beginning of the pandemic, you know, stress and that. Yeah, I think the other person was stressed out. So they're even few and far between. You know, yeah, I think, yeah, and. I mean, my my most awkward experience, difficult experience in comedy was the night I did the Ollie Bush man and fell flat on my ass. <laughs> you know, and now uh, anyone yeah. fall flat on their ass in the Ollie Bushes because they'll laugh at anything, man. No, it's not true, man. No, um, the Ollie Bush, it very much so. First of all, it just depends on how they feel on the night. Like some nights you right, they would just laugh at anything, but some nights as well, they just won't. Like you know, they're not really in the mood for it. Shall I, give um, you, shall I give the people at home my story from the Hollybush? They'll love it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I did the Hollybush. I don't know if I discussed it with you, KD, before, but Absolutely. I uh, yeah. I, I learned more about being a comedian that night <laughs> than I've learned in all the time of being a comedian. And we'll ex I'll explain why at the end. Mm. But um, I, 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 I've got this bit where, or I, where I, I talk about how I'm not really a big fan of conspiracy theorists. And um, well, anybody that's never been to the Hollybush... We'll get think, into conspiracies in a bit as well. Huh? We'll get into conspiracies in a bit. Anybody that's not been to the Hollybush, the, 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 it's a lovely venue and they're a nice, bun, nicer bunch of lads. But what I didn't realise was, is, you know, 80% of the audience are rather anti-establishment and rather, yeah. rather conspiracy-minded. <laughs> yep. And the, the main character in my story is a geezer called Dave. Well, you can tell them. You can tell the people at home who Dave is. Well, Dave, Dave the landlord. Oh, Dave Bush. Okay, the, the Bushmaster. You know what I mean. So they must have thought for five minutes I was stood directly taking the piss out of them. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean. They did yeah. not fucking response. Nothing. Everything fell dead. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sat outside. Do you know what I mean? Having a flag, feeling pretty mm. shitty as it goes because I couldn't understand what I'd done wrong. At least you did the right thing by staying, first of all, though. Yeah. Too many people just leave in those moments. Well, this 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 um woman and man sidled up to me like they were buying crack. <laughs> a bit now, of blonde woman. Like, looking round, they leaned in and went, We thought you were fucking hilarious. <laughs> the trouble is, eighty percent of that lot are conspiracy theorists and the other yeah. twenty were too scared to laugh. Um I, I realise it like how conspiracy minded some of them are. Just from um, I was in one bit in my set. I've got like just a story about the um, the island of plastic. You know, the size of Texas is floating around in the ocean. And as soon as I said that, they were like, "Oh, you actually believe that's real?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's there. Well, it's, it's not a case of belief." Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And with that kind of stupidity, you can't do anything with it. There's yeah. nothing you can do with that. You know what I mean? It's like because like, well, we'll, they... we'll talk about the elephant in the room, right? I'm not a fan of conspiracy theories, right? <laughs> and it's not because I, 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 I think anybody that's got a theory about a conspiracy is wrong. It's not mm -hmm. because I don't think there are conspiracies at play. Mm -hmm. It's just I want 
a bit more academic reference than YouTube and the dark web. Yeah. You know, know, I'm happy to believe the royal family are lizards. Just (laughs) fucking evidence. They're fun to talk about. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they are fun to talk about, but conspiracy but some of them know i've got a bit where i talk about conspiracy theories and my 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 my, my big issue with it is that it's it's usually not a theory yeah oh it's never a theory yeah a theory is an explanation of something based on all known facts and parameters yeah my pal dave youtube and the dark web that's not theory that's somewhere between an idea on a good day and a brain fart. (laughs) And it's it's just, um, it's a war of attrition with them. You know what I mean? There's no, you know what I mean? You can't have an an intellectual debate because what they believe is right. And if you don't believe them, it's because you're asleep. (laughs) Confirmation bias completely. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the thing. I love conspiracy theories. I love talking about them. But I, that's the thing as well. I'm one of those ones, though, as much as I love talking about them, I generally lean on, I don't know, there's no evidence for it. So why, what, what is the reason for this being true? There's nothing here that tells me this is true. Um, I, I mean, forgive me, KD, but mm-hmm. I just like to take in all the information and then draw my own conclusions. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Shocking that, that we do it that way, isn't it? How, how crazy is that? Call me old-fashioned, you know what I mean? But I'll like to have a look at the actual facts. Yeah, like, I tell you, piss me off the most. Fucking flat earthers. Oh, God. Right? Right? Now, I know that we have telescopes that can see thousands and thousands of miles. But given clear line of sight, they can still only see as far as the Earth will allow. Yeah. You know what I mean? There comes a point where... You cease to be looking round and you're looking over. Yeah, yeah. Like a hill. It's a very simple thing to understand. But yet these people, like I um we did a podcast about flat earth the ones like quite a while back, just trying to understand, you know, um the frame of mind, where this even comes from, why this is even a fact, whether these people really believe it or they're just trying to push it or if they even exist, but they sadly do exist. And whatever you say to them, they'll try and come up with um a reason why that's wrong and it's like you said, they're not trying to learn there. It's just confirmation bias. It's just, no, no, it's not that I'm wrong. Let me tell you why I'm right and how you're wrong. Yeah. What I would like to do is distinguish it from the Flat Earth Society that that campaigned for the abolition of all hills. And can I say I'm really <laughs> I'm for that. I'm all oh, for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I'm all for the abolition of hills. That suits me fine. <laughs> we need to think of people that have to walk. We need to think of skateboarders. There we go. It just... They need just, a level ground. They need level. They need levels. It's the responses that irritate me as well. You'll go, so you believe everything you're told, do you? Yeah, but you're believing everything yeah. you're told. It's just coming from different sources. Yeah, and there's literally oh, nothing. Oh, there's so many things like that. Like, um, oh, I'm trying to think of specific examples. But like, um, okay, we was, this is one that as soon as you say to people, they're like, oh. But Bigfoot we was doing on the most recent podcast. And just because 
there's no evidence of like you know a dead body there or there's no evidence per se you know of bigfoot there's not much um i don't know how i feel about it personally i'm a bit like yeah it could be there but who gives a shit it's a monkey if it even is there like what's what's the big well, deal? I, I, I feel no different about you how you feel about bigfoot there i feel the same way about god yeah, every literally twice during the podcast and then during the discussion afterwards when I talked to um someone else, both people have re uh, referenced it to God just like you did then. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about God. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I'm, I'm beyond, I'm beyond atheism in that I don't really care if there is a God. If there is a God, I've got a few fucking words to have with the country. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? I've got a couple of bones of contention and Stephen Fry. I don't know if you watched it, but Stephen Fry did an interview um, in, in, on an Irish television network, and he pretty much said the same, where, yeah, if there is a God, I'm going to fuck him up. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he, you know, you let good, good people die, you've created a creature that climbs and lays its eggs in the eyeballs of children. Do you know what I mean? What the fuck, you sick, sadistic, twisted <laughs> bastard? He would be, he'd be like um, a Thor-level horror villain. Yeah, legitimately. Do you know what, I mean? what kind of god drowns everybody apart from one family and a load of animals? Do you know it's just fucking. Come on. Oh, the stories behind that. I've always said this that um, Jesus and religion in general is the original conspiracy theory. It completely is. I I do that the conspiracy theory bit, and then I go straight into a bit about the Bible where I say, you know. We'll talk about my favourite conspiracy theory, which is the Bible, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then I made reference to being autistic. I make reference to the fact that there's not enough autism in the world for me to take this shit literally. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, it, it fits nice together. I'm yeah, writing yeah. I'm writing my first hour show. Okay. Uh, and I'm not, it's for next year. It's not for this year. I'm, I'm kind of taking my time with it. That's there's no other way to do that. No, but it's going to be about the history and the nature of storytelling. Okay. Um, because I think as comedians, we're the last bastion of, of traveling storytellers. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean? yeah. you know there, there, there's, you know, we, we almost have a tradition to honor. And I don't think a lot of us do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think, I think a lot of us forget. That actually, we go back, we come from a bardic tradition that goes back centuries. The traveling storyteller. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, people like me and you, that's how we would have lived. We'd have gone from place to place telling stories for board and lodgings and a few coppers for some beer. Do you know what I mean? And that's essentially what we do now, still, even like. Yeah, but, that, you know. but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, that, looks like, that looks tasty, KD, that one. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, medicinal purposes, as you know, I've had a headache all day, and this shit helps. Legit. You're on about podcasts that you'd like to do. Mm. I, I, you know, they do that. What they do that drunk comedy show on telly, don't they? Where the comedian um, drunk history. Huh? Drunk history. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, I would quite like to do a series of podcasts. Right. And we wouldn't be able to do it here. We'd have to go to we'd have to go to Holland and do it probably. But just so happens that I have friends out there and my business partner. But I'd like to do a series of one-offs where we get fucked up on a certain drug. 
Yeah, yeah. I thought you were gonna say. Oh, well, like a, I thought you were just gonna say bud, but you mean like a different drug each no, time. I, I was thinking we we do we do a hallucinogen one, <laughs> two, um, and we we do it somewhere and set up the cameras. We do it in a nice, controlled, safe space. I think. But I uh, love the idea of us getting fucked up half a dozen times. We'll, we'll do. We can do DMT. We can do. We can do the legal ones that are quite. We can do some mushrooms. Do you know what I mean? I think a lot of my drug taking days are over to be honest i gave myself like a really bad trip when i was a downloader once and um since then you know whenever i have certain kind of stuff uh not yeah. everything um more like you know like talking like your coke or your md or that kind of stuff it was um i retired man but i'd be happy to come out of retirement for a for a, <laughs> for a last hurrah you know what I mean? like yeah. this is how out of touch with drugs i am right I found a bag of, with five acid tabs in in my house the other oh, wow. day. Right, I've not had an acid for about seven years, mm. so God knows mm. how old they are. Do you know what I mean? God knows. They're probably not um, even working by now, or they would have. Because don't they have like a certain shelf I mean, life? Not, if I'm on KD, I'm a little bit scared. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not done LSD for a long time, and I'm not anti-drugs. I think. Yeah. You know, I, I, want I, to be allowed to do what they want. I think, I, opinion, I think if you treat your population like children, they'll behave like children. Yeah, man. I don't you know, like I mean, it, it's as simple as that. I think prostitution should be legal, for example, because who's who's who is like Boris, for example, who is he to tell a woman who wants to do that and is happy to do that? You know, who in, is he to say, no, you can't? In I Holland, understand that in Holland, it's regulated. Yep. So, now, what does that mean? That means the girls are safe. Yep. Do you know what I mean? They've got mm -hmm. to have medical tests. That means the blokes are safe. Yep. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's in controlled zones where, with a police presence, which means everybody's safe. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And That's how it should be. These girls are paying tax. You know what I mean? Right? I see, yeah. no, I see no issue in principle. No, none at all. And what you also find in countries where there is legalised prostitution, sex crimes are usually lower, and so are divorce rates. <laughs> yeah, funny enough, yeah. Serious, man, right? I can in imagine. Legalised prostitution, divorce rates went down, and so did sex crimes instantly, almost. That that one makes, obviously makes a lot of sense, but it's quite funny when you think about the reasoning behind the um, divorces going down. The divorces went down by 8%. Yeah. They don't need to have um, an affair anymore. Just a little bit of strange on the side, you know. Could be a yeah. fair money. Why the hell not? The, no lie. Um, down the road from me, there's literally like two brothels, <laughs> like just within walking distance from mine. I also suspect the reason for the divorce rate being lower is because men weren't having affairs and getting caught. They were able to just go to a nice sneaky brothel. Yeah, yeah. yeah get a bit and they, no one was gonna tell the missus or you know i suspect yeah, but yeah. i mean i listen, I'm, your the confidentiality. I'm the ultimate libertarian i think within reason you should be allowed to do what you want yeah i agree with that i don't think there should be like any um so i was very much you know like um a um what's you know, a, a supporter of the whole vaccine thing and the people should get vaccinated and all that and to follow the science, you know, like be really, really into it. It's all cool, you know, 
Um, it's just it's quite a normal thing. But at the same time, I am not a fan of people being forced to have to do it. I don't think that should ever be. I don't and think that, that's that can my be a thing. Too. That's my mm. position too. I think you can't fucking mandate vaccinations. It's wrong. You can't. Yeah. You can't. And it's the same reason that you know, just to dot around a little bit. Mm. It's the same reason that the death penalty should be illegal. You know what I mean? You know, it's the same. It's that same thing. It's about what. The state can make you do and what it can't. Do you say should be legal or shouldn't be legal? Shouldn't be because, okay, yeah. you know, we all know right wing fucking commentators that are like, yeah, bring back the death penalty. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, I would be a lot more for the death penalty if I really believed in the justice system. And one thing I've learned from doing the Kill Them and Comedy podcast, the conspiracy, but also we do true crime stuff. The yeah. majority of the, the stories we cover, it's always because of, uh, you know, there's a lot of mistakes that have been made or, you know, people walked from trials because of ridiculous yeah. things or, you know, both sides of the coin, you know. I think just... for me, the argument's much more nuanced. It's, it's I, I don't believe the state should ever have power over life and death. Mm. And I think once you allow execution, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, that's the thing. Again, you know what I mean? So, yeah. the same reason that a court shouldn't be allowed to force an abortion. Yeah, I don't. That seems crazy to me. I didn't even you know, know that would be but, even discussed. But it can. The court can force an abortion. Oh, I didn't know that. But I don't think it should be allowed to. In what situation would that ever happen? Like, I've never heard of that before. I don't know. <laughs> I don't well, know why they would ever do that. Well, let's have live research. Yeah, <laughs> live research on the podcast. Come on, Colin. Do, 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 do. Newsflash. Um, can the court force an abortion? Let's make sure I've got my facts right first. <laughs> no, I mean, I could imagine a court, I mean, a judge can kind of do anything. I don't know. I don't know. That seems, seems crazy to me why that would ever happen. Find anything? Yeah. Oh God! <laughs> Please tell me about this. Yeah, then. So no, no, you, you, you can a court order abortion? Yes, it can. Yeah. But when it did in 2019, a woman appealed because um, 2019. The court Jesus. Decided, the court decided that in the in the case of somebody with a mental health issue, they could force an abortion. But her mother, when hold on a minute, dickheads. Isn't that just yeah. kind of? Isn't that almost eugenics? Yeah, yeah. You know, what I mean? which is horrific. Euthanasia. You know what I mean? That you shouldn't be able to. You know, that, abortion. Yeah. Funny issue anyway, because we're two men. We, you know, you know what it's like. If you if you're talking to your missus and she mentions being pregnant, and you say even abort, you fucked up. You know what I mean? It's just. It's it's a woman's issue, isn't it? It's one of them things that. Ah, see, see, I don't believe in that. I mean, it's it's a it's it's the child's issue. It's not the woman's issue or the man's issue. It's the child's issue after a certain point, anyway. Like, I don't know. I was in mine, like, um, because we didn't plan the first. Like, I, we had that discussion, and it was quite, it was completely amicable. We just decided to keep, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, we already, I, I, we already had two kids. I, I moved in with a woman with children. So when she fell pregnant, yeah. there was never a discussion because it was planned with the other one, I, with the other one. 
the other one. I just always, I, I don't buy into that, you know, the concept like only certain people can discuss certain things and that. I don't buy into that. Everyone's allowed an opinion uh, about it. No, I'm not saying, yeah, I agree, but you've I know got, that's not what you were saying. But... be a bit more careful, especially being white men. You know what I mean? Unfortunately in society, for the first time in an age, in, you know what I mean? For the first time in a thousand years, occasionally white men have to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that another thing though. I mean, everyone should just be treated on the same level. I think um, that's the whole idea of cancer culture going a little bit. Yeah, cancer culture goes a little bit too far. Uh, well, a lot too far sometimes. And I think I, I've always thought this that cancer culture. I I used to say cancer culture doesn't exist, but I realised that was the wrong way to phrase it because I just believe that it only exists when you give it power. You know, if you adhere to it, and not not just the person getting accused. Of what I mean. I mean, everyone else too. Like, the company has evolved as well, you know. Like, Spotify right now are standing behind Joe Rogan, for example. I had an argument with a friend of mine, a very, very close friend of mine. We, She mm. got quite upset with me, actually. But what we were talking about was I'm... And, and you'll see how it ties in at the end. How I, I think, right, that my daughter should be allowed to wear whatever she wants, Right. She should be allowed to dress how she likes. She could be able to put as much flesh on show as she wants, right? Now, I might not like it as her dad, right? Yeah. But I don't have the right to stop that. However, when my daughter was growing up, I didn't teach her that she could wear anything she wanted. I taught her that perhaps being a bit more conservative in how you dress is better for you. Now, mm. my friend told me that I was a sexist and I yeah. I got quite angry about it because my philosophy is that she can wear anything she wants but until uh, men have finished evolving which we haven't yet and we have to be honest we have to be honest enough to say men have been cunts and they're still oh, men are terrible yeah I say this men are terrible catching up to do so until men catch up We've still got to teach our girls to be a little bit conservative. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, this but, is the thing. It's not a lie. I was going to say this when you were saying it. I just didn't want to interrupt you. But you, it's not a lie what you said. The two are mutually exclusive. Yeah, but we, we're talked to by certain branches. Like, as I say, my, my, my friend was a woman and, and she said that I was being sexist by saying, you know what I mean? You know, yeah, which part exactly is sexist? Because I'm telling her how to dress. Because of the way men behave. But that's oh, the reality. Yeah. I'm preparing mm. my girls for the world as it is, not the world as it ought to be. Yeah, I, I, I go more your way, to be honest. I do exactly. I mean, I've got boys, so it's obviously different. But still, even then, like, I still, I don't, I tell them all the time, like, well, not all the time, but, you know, like, the oldest is getting a bit older now. He's, like, getting ready to go to secondary school, for example. And I let him know there's, there's dicks in the world, dude. Like, you need to be aware of this. You can't just trust everyone you're around, you know. It's Sadly, the world isn't like that. I taught my kids not uh, one basic rule, and I'll paraphrase Jim Jeffries: <laughs> to try not to be a cunt. <laughs> and you know, what I mean, if you go through life and you're not a knob, you'll get on in life, all right. Yeah, I mean, we're all knobs sometimes. Don't get a song though, especially as comics. You know that. <laughs> I don't want to be Sounds proper comedy. Try not to be a dick. <laughs> but I don't think my business partner will allow it. But, oh, uh, you, want 
you want to do the tagline for that? Yeah, just don't be a dick. <laughs> sounds proper comedy. Don't be a dick. Yeah, it sounds like a good advertising tagline, if not like a proper one. There's a good little advert there. <laughs> um, so, like, <laughs> what have you got coming up on the um, sounds proper comedy? I forgot to mention earlier, actually, like, <laughs> don't die as well. But, well, um, tomorrow night. Know, yeah, and where it is as well. We'll do it again at the end of plug, but I meant to do it earlier for you and I forgot. Tomorrow night, we're at, we've got our first online show on EST, on Eastern Standard Time. So it's a, a show that's going out at 8pm Canadian time. <coughs> so that's, 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 that's 1am UK time. Oh wow! <laughs> um, I'm not hosting it. We we've, we've got two Canadian comics that are going to host it. I'm playing tomorrow. I'm playing the first one, hmm. um, but it's it's just got more of a focus on North American comics, and we'll and throw we'll, a couple of European comics in just for good measure every now and again. Will we be able to watch this? Like, because I don't know for sure if this will be out before that. Then, but would people be able to see it like afterwards? Still, it, it's going to be a monthly show. Oh, okay. It's going to be a monthly show. It's going to be, yeah, the first Sunday of the month. Um, and they can find that on, they can check us out on Sounds Proper Comedy on Facebook. Oh. And um, www.soundspropercomedy.com. We have a sort of website. It doesn't quite finish yet. <laughs> Website building's a pain in the arse, man. Oh, it is, man. I was doing it for uh, my KD Creative stuff that I was doing, which I'm not really doing as much now, but I'm reworking a website for my KD Comedy Inc. stuff as well. So it's a boy like. Yeah. So do you think we can get a TV company to pay us to sit in a room and take drugs for a few weeks? <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely. I guarantee there's a uh, company out there somewhere. <laughs> there's definitely a company out there somewhere that would do that. I'm going I'm... to the Isle of Wight with Griff. Oh, yeah. And um, Leanne. Mm. And Alex Leem. Is that like for one of the festival things? No, it's for uh, it's for a gig. They're paying the transport and we get a little bit of money. Oh, wow. And they're paying the transport. Um, it, it's on the Isle of Wight, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm. That could, should be fun. Uh, what else we got coming up? Uh, you're going to be at mine. I'm going to be at yours in a week, and that's next. That's the week after next, isn't it? Yeah, man. Right that's there. The week after that. I'm in Cambridge on Tuesday doing um, a show called Blue Moon Comedy Club. Um, and that's a nice, that'll be a good show. Don Biswas is playing on that on that bill. Mm. Uh, do you know Don? Don Biswal, you say? Biswas, yeah. Uh, the, the name sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't know him. He's a political comic, um, Asian, her Indian heritage, British, Indian. I like all the political stuff anyway. I like yeah. all that kind of stuff. I'm he's a lot of, that. To be honest, he's one of my favourite comics. I quite like it. I like him a lot. Mm. Uh, but he's recording a Radio 4 special very soon. Um, and I've never met him in real life, so I'm really looking forward to meeting him, actually. It is weird, isn't it, from doing all this online stuff? Like, you suddenly realise, like, you feel like you know so many people, but then you suddenly realise how few of them you've met, like, in real life. 
I went to, I did a gig in Bournemouth, right? That's 250 miles from my house. I turned up there and I knew half the lineup. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Half yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Half the lineup I gigged with mm-hmm. online. Do you know what I mean? From doing all my, um, all my stuff like the quiz off, especially, you know, I've met so many people doing that, man. Like, yeah. so many extra contacts. It's really nice as well. I like and, it, man. And it just helped. I think it's brilliant, and I think that's the place for the Zoom shows as well. Let's give the Zoom show some air for a minute. The um, right, they, mm. a lot of comics, and I guess even you to a degree, a lot of comics, right, did some Zoom shows at the beginning, and it put them off. And they I didn't all, do any. I didn't do any at the beginning. Zoom gigs, right? Um, but you you've been to one of our Zoom shows. Everybody's got their cameras and mics on. You get some feedback. You can, you know, they're never going to replace live gigs. But yeah. if I have 20 minutes of new material to try, would I go to a comedy club on a Tuesday night where I can only do 10 minutes? Therefore, I've got to do two to two open mics to do. Mm. Or would I just do 20 minutes in front of my fucking virtual audience? You know what I mean? Where, yeah. you know I mean, I'm, my reputation's not on the line because I'm not in front of a promoter. You know what I mean? It, it's. It, I think there's a place for Zoom in development. That's where it is. I yeah, did, yeah, that's, I, I agree did, with that. I've done. I've I've passed a hundred gigs. Right. I only started doing stand up in February. Mm. No, you no, know, I, and I've I, passed a hundred gigs. I've done thirty odd live, which I really have done a lot considering mm. how lot. But I did probably seventy. I've emceed probably forty-five gigs, which you know is one I mean? of the harder things to do. Is like yeah. when I say harder, like it's one of the things that helps you develop the most too. And I think it's hard with Zoom as well, which is why we do it as a team. Which is why we normally have two hosts because it's a bit. I like that anyway. I like that dynamic. To be honest, I did. I've never really thought about it like that. But it's when I saw you doing this, it was yous, that was a weird way to say it. When I saw you two doing this. Um, it's like a TV show kind of thing, you know, how you always have the presenters on a TV show, you always have the two, you have that little bit of banter back and forth. It works nice. I think, well, I, I mean, me and Rachel have, worked, have done a lot together, we've probably done 50 shows together. Do you know what I mean? And, mm. and so we, we, it, it looks, but occasionally we both have co hosts, and sometimes it's harder than others. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So, you, what you do is when you work with someone else, you realize how well me and Rachel know each other. Because yeah. it it's so much easier with her, but we've had some great co-hosts. I co-hosted with the socks. That was a good night. Did the Falsetto sock puppet theatre? Oh, you said about this actually. That yeah, was yeah. Experience. Um, yeah. What was involved in that thing? Because I know you said about that, but I just I haven't had a. Well, I didn't see they it. Just, so. They were just Rachel for the night. Okay. They were just Rachel for the night. It was hilarious, man. It was so funny. talking as well, then I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, oh, just that's great. Yeah, okay. top, yeah. <laughs> and it, it was funny as hell because Kev said to me, the guy that does the socks, he's like, "Col, the socks don't really go off script." I'm like, "You'll be all right, don't worry." And they do go off script. He's full of shit. You know, <laughs> what I mean? they're, they're 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 magnificent. I have the pleasure of seeing them live, and they are really good live. You know what? You might agree with this as well, then, because I'll say one um one criticism i have like that i've noticed with a lot of comedians in general um is that a lot of people i think 
take the comedy stuff a bit too seriously sometimes. They're not as willing, like, um, to just have a laugh, do something silly. You know, it's like you, a lot of people feel like they have to have the like the highbrow kind of comedy, or like the you know silly stuff is isn't as good. Like, um, just for example, like Mrs. Brown's Boys, like that's a lower form of wit. Everyone's like, ugh. Or just yeah. silly stuff like having sock puppets on, you know. Yeah. I'm uh, not like... at all. Um, when it comes to my own comedy, I feel better in front of a Radio 4 audience than a Radio 1. <laughs> I don't you know, know the difference. I, 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 well, you know, I, I... When I'm telling a joke, it requires you to follow what I'm saying. If you miss something, you might not get the punchline. Mm. You know what I mean? So there's an element of... I mean, I don't think I'm pretentious with it, but I think some people I, just don't listen. I, huh? Some people just don't listen. Yeah, I think I'm. You know, like I was. I did a gig in, and uh, I my perhaps shouldn't have said actually. I perhaps should have disguised the place it was. There's nothing worse than telling a joke and hearing three people from different points of the audience go, "I don't get it." Yeah. <laughs> you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's the ridiculousness as well of why, like, you think you'd need to make you aware of it too. The ego on that, you know, or yeah. the just, I don't know what it is that would make you I, feel like... Yeah, it's just in it. There's nothing worse as a comic than... And I've only had it the once. It was that one particular gig in... Beep, the, <laughs> um, it was that one particular gig where two or three people in the audience, I heard them go, I don't get it. <laughs> it's just like, oh, why do I fucking bother? Oh, you know? no, I think I was talking to you about this before, though. I kind of enjoy sometimes, like when a gig goes off the rails for whatever reason. That's one thing um, I really like about, like, you know, gigs in person and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just the anything can happen kind of aspect to it, you know. And I am. Sometimes... Uh, my last gig that I did, my first gig back this year, that that's got a. Every gig comes with. I see why comedians talk about gigs on stage now. Because you yeah. get some funny shit, right? I do a bit in the beginning of my set where I introduce myself and I talk about being called Colin, right? Mm. There were three free Collins in the audience. <laughs> yeah. There's never normally any. Uh, so yeah, I've only MC, ever met one before. The MC in his first bit was made note of the fact they were all called Colin come off after he bought the opening act, looked to me and went, shit, I've just realised your name's Colin as well, isn't it? So he just <laughs> fucking caused a stink and drawn attention to the name Colin. And it unsettled me, man. Oh, it yeah. Was... Yeah, because he had something like built, like triggered, um, set yeah, to a point. Yeah, different. Yeah, so yeah. Wait till the point where being called Colin came up. I had to address it straight away. Otherwise, the audience weren't going to let me move on. Yeah. And it wouldn't seem natural as well. No. Like, but uh, it, yeah. It was I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think about like, weird like, things like that at the beginning. You know, the, well, I've been called the wrong name quite a few times actually going on stage, which <laughs> is like, um, which is why I changed my name to KD, uh, stage name, like my initials used them. So for people can't mess up. Um, letters you know and then like i got tagged and something from the holly bush for the first time um and it just came up with jd okay <laughs> i was mistaken about that then they can't get it wrong I get called khan 
more than anything. Really strange. Very strange if people look at me and think my name's Khan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is quite shocked. But that happens a lot, supposedly. If, 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 if I was interviewing you for a job and the application form said Khan and you turned up, <laughs> I'd be thinking that there was a booking error. Yeah. Because not only are you very, very white, but you're a little bit ginger. A little bit. I get told this. <laughs> I think I think it's beautiful, personally. <laughs> I used to get bothered by that when people said, like, um, your hair's, like, turning ginger. I'm like, no, it's not, man. What are you on a base? Ginger's cool, though. I'm half ginger, man. I've always had a ginger <laughs> beard. You do have a glorious head of hair, though. For people that are only listening to this podcast, you don't appreciate. You need to Google Colin actually right now and see that beautiful head of hair. I can't take any credit for it. I'm afraid it just grows like that. <laughs> you can maybe take a bit of credit. <laughs> it's funny. But we're white male comics. We've got to have something distinctive about us. You know yeah. what I mean? We've got that the is true, of, actually, isn't it? We've got the kind of the I don't know, almost the baby face drug addict thing going on. <laughs> and I've got the I've got the sort of forty year old ex rocker thing going on. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I got the tiny tongue as well. That helps. <laughs> tiny tongue strongman was hilarious. Huh? Your your song about oh. having tiny tongue. <laughs> Thank you. That was the debut of it as well. I'm, I've got to rework a little, a few little things from it still. I quite like it. I like musical kind of comedy. Ems, like. do you know Ems? Yeah, yeah she, I know Ems. She's been on the quiz and I've done a lot of random stuff with Ems. She does a song about bodily functions and social etiquette. That's really <laughs> funny as well. See, I've never seen her perform. It's the thing. I've done a lot of podcasts and she's been on the quiz quite a lot too, but I've never actually seen her perform. But she is talking about coming down to do the um, Clubhouse gig sometime. That'll be good. I have no idea. Far away, I think. You're Nottingham, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's right, okay. It's not too far for you, is it, at least then? No. One uh, thing I, I forgot to mention on the flyers or about this gig is there is actually like a hotel, a cheap hotel just up the road, a Holiday Express for anyone who wants to stay over to. Makes it so much easier. I'm buying a van this year. Oh, you're going to do the mattress in the back? Um, yeah, I'm going to convert something. Yeah, make it look nice. Yeah, good, man. In the missus drive all over the place doing comedy. Oh, you, your yeah. lady partner does comedy too? No, see, no way, man. I couldn't live with another comedian. Fuck me. Oh, I, I was seeing a comedian right? once. It was strange, to be fair. What? I was seeing a comedian once. It was strange. There's not enough room for my <laughs> ego and another ego in this house. <laughs> I understand that. If there's anything more important than my ego around here, I want it caught and shot. <laughs> so how do you feel about, um, I know we talked about like just switching gears completely. Like I know you talked about um, conspiracies and that. One thing I did want to ask your opinion on, um, aliens, all the stuff that's been coming out. What is your opinion on it? just want to say that to you, aliens. How do you feel straight away? I think they're out there. They must be. I mean, I think it'd be fucking, it'd be a weird fucking quirk of nature if they'd only spurn life in one place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a realist. There's a lot of fucking planets, a lot of suns. 
You know what I mean? It stands to reason that they'd be aliens. Um, I, guess I do have a few of... questions, though. Why yeah. do they always end up going to places like Fife, Alabama? <laughs> you know what I mean? Not Washington, where the powerful people live. And two, another comedian, I can't remember who it was, asked this question. Why, having crossed the entire breadth of space, do they get here and crash? <laughs> I mean, that's not exactly... Um... I suppose a better way to put it would be um, how do you feel about all the evidence that's come out then over the last like, couple of years? During the pandemic time, strangely enough, like, all these videos that have come out and been confirmed by the Pentagon and all that, you know. The problem is, we, there was so much bad UFO stuff on television. Yeah, right? yeah. I tend not to watch any of it now. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, you know, if there... It's hard to get rid of that stink that's already there. Yeah, and I, I just think that, of course, there's other life out there. It'd be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But Probability-wise, yeah, it's impossible. How much, how much we know on this planet? That I don't know. Mm. Is there an Area 51? Well, the American government says there is. But has it got a UFO in it? I won't yeah, know. Yeah, no. yeah the know. place exists. You know, yeah, we can see right. that. To be honest... The problem I have with conspiracy theories, and it's the reason they're dangerous now, is because the last two years has been mental. You know, my pal Dave had said to me two years ago that I'd be queued outside the supermarket and I'd be, you know, like I'm outside a nightclub and I'd be locked in my house for two years. I'd have told him to get back on his tinfoil bus. <laughs> you know what I mean? So now yeah. I'm in a position where I'm smart enough to be able to distinguish, but your average man in the street is not very bright. And to your average man in the street, you know what I mean? Mm. That Because that's been so mental, his perception of what's mental has changed. Yeah, so yeah. The royal family might be lizards. I don't know. <laughs> this is the thing. So many conspiracies, though. It's just like... So many conspiracy <laughs> theories, which I find interesting because of the psychology behind them. But so many of them just come out of nowhere. So like, where are you getting this from? Like the yeah, lizard the one American is a perfect elite. example. The American elite drinking blood and it's all processed in Oprah's kitchen. I mean, how specific is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how specific is that? I mean, if it's true, it's the luckiest guess in the history of guesses. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, it's it's not just processed somewhere. It's processed at Oprah, and it's not just processed at Oprah's house. It's processed in Oprah's kitchen, above her sink, her personal sink. Yeah, just <laughs> how specific. If you want to have a conspiracy theory, my my advice to you is be vague. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know though, because then you become Earth is the Earth is flat. That's quite vague, but it's not. So no, but just like it's that's the, the issue. And I once genuinely had a cons- the same conspiracy theorist friend in the same conversation because I do a bit where I combine a couple of conversations I've had with him. Yeah, and we genuinely had a conversation, and he said to me in one sentence that COVID's fake. And in the very next sentence said, 
he didn't want 5G because it gives you COVID. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Not only are both of those statements like, you know, you want to delve into each of them so much, the two of them together. <laughs> those, two, those two sentences leave far more questions than they answer. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. A hell of a lot more. Yeah, and then combining them. What the fuck, you melon? I've met some people that it's like it's the thing, and you hope that a lot of the time that um, these people don't really exist. But there was, and I get why, I, to an extent, to an extent, I get why there's so much distrust in the government. Um, it's not distrust, though, really. It's disillusionment. It's apathy. It's where the 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 government has been systematically trying to turn fifty percent of the population off since the beginning of actual democracy. Oh, yeah. Deliberate apathy growing and breeding. You know what I mean? It's like they behave like such fucking cunts that 50% of the population go, I'm not going to bother turning out to vote because there's nothing to vote for. So essentially, what you've got is a government that's elected by approximately 50% of the population. Well, if only 50% are voting, then it's only about be more like 30% because it'd just be what percentage of the people that voted for them, you know. If you wanted to launch a new political party, and I think, yeah, I think maybe one day, right, comedians, but I like it. Yeah, I think we could, I think we'd do well in elections. I think Ukraine had a um, prime minister who was a comedian. I think it was Ukraine. Yeah. A few years back. So you can do it. But yeah, if, if, if you really wanted to be a successful political party and you wanted to be new, you'd appeal to the 50% that don't vote. Yeah, yeah. They tried to do that in America. Yeah, forget about the voters that already vote for parties. Fuck them. They're, they're, they took the red pill. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're just voting for the elite and the status quo. Because that's what that is. That's voting to keep shit the way it is. It doesn't matter whether it's red, yellow or blue in charge. The result is the same. I completely agree with that. That's exactly what I say, yeah. To change shit, you get out and you talk to that 50% of people that don't vote. Because if you mobilise them, you'd, you'd win an election. Yeah. That's essentially what they tried to do in America, wasn't it? Um, in the last election. Um, what they were really, I don't know. To be fair, I have no idea how successful that was. How many more people voted. But... It was a fucking, oh, America's fucking, like, our, our, um, we're just as bad, actually. America is just as bad as us. Like, we're both shit shows in both. But Joe Biden right now, <laughs> you go from Trump to Biden, the last, oh. And they're really talking about Trump being um, a real viable candidate for the, to be the next president again. I didn't even know you could do that. I don't know, man. I don't think Biden will stand next time. <laughs> you'll be able to by his own free will anyway not without the aid of a walking device yeah <laughs> dude he's a walker man listen, right as a comedian i miss donald trump oh yeah i know you mean actually you know you know the comedian in me rarely misses him do you know what i mean and you know what the way johnson's turned out trump wasn't that bad no <laughs> i know what you mean i'm not saying <laughs> trump would have been better than Boris Johnson, but it wouldn't have been a lot worse. He, 
Trump was more, it was, it was almost like he was essentially, when it comes to running the actual country, he was more of a non-factor than um, a negative impact, you know. The one thing that Trump had going for him is Trump's a delegator. So Trump yeah, will yeah. be an expert, someone that knows the field, and he'll put him in that job, right? Not because he's a good manager, but because he's fucking lazy. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? So, you know what I mean? What Trump's good at doing is putting together a team. You know, so he had, we would have done very little inside that administration, Matt. He'd have had all his little fucking gremlins. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, I think, definitely. but I, as a comedian, as a comedian, I fucking miss him, Matt. I know what you mean because of all the jokes in that, like you can well, get from well, him. Towards the end of his term, we were all going to the, getting to the point where we were saying, it's not funny now, it's beyond a joke. That's exactly what I was going to say. You got it, That's exactly why I don't miss him anymore, like, in that sense. For my own personal entertainment, yeah, sure, I miss him. Um, but, yeah, for saying it on stage, it just, it, it got old fast. Um, the same thing with COVID now, we've pretty much got to that point. Like, joking about COVID, on, nothing wrong with joking about anything, in my opinion. Nothing should be off the table for anyone. Um it just gets a bit boring after a while. COVID's getting to that point now. I, I, bri I briefly touch on it for a second just to lead to do a um lead into a joke later on. You'll see, I've, I've have changed it around. Have you got a favorite joke, right? That you wrote during COVID that now doesn't apply anymore? Because I am. I did this joke right at the very beginning when we were in the middle of lockdown where I said, Look, to be honest, right? I don't have much of an issue with the Russian vaccine because I'm needle phobic and it's got an easy applicator door handle. <laughs> you know, because of the Salisbury thing with the poison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was thinking in my head. It took me a second, but yeah. yeah. I love that, Joe. But it's fucking completely fucking nothing now. What other pandemic jokes did I write? I wrote, I I wrote a joke about the fact that Covid had kind of ended all all faith in humanity that I had, given that up to a million people had died of Covid, and Boris Johnson and Donald Trump were still alive. Yeah, <laughs> Boris had had it as well, and he just breathed for it. Yeah, so they both had it. Do you know what I mean? So I, uh, I forget. Yeah, the Trump had it as well, did he? Yeah, that yeah. still works as a joke. I think that's still moderately funny. But mm. the only joke I tell about the pandemic now is um, about my two sad things about the pandemic and that's the joke about Trump and Boris still being alive and the other joke is I make a joke about before the pandemic I used to get quite turned on by, by a girl in medical mask and gloves <laughs> not anymore <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> I, I generally heard weirder still. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a little bit that I used to do, like, where I just would talk, um, what was it, at first about the stuff that um, we learned through the pandemic, that kind of stuff, um, which would just be leading up to the fact that I learned that um, I don't have to, I no longer have to fear going bold because I look good with a shaved head, basically. Uh, that's like the main thing that I took away from the pandemic, you know. Yeah. Um, and also how um, 
how in Britain I love the fact I love Britain like an, an, an example of why I love living in Britain is the one thing that did not we did not run out of was but dealers were always there they were always available never let you down like yeah. my one anyway I was, I was in love but it's a love it's a, like a love letter to my illegal florist yeah I think um I wrote a joke about because I talk about being dyspraxic and I talk about the fact that the pandemic actually made the world a bit more neurodiverse friendly because now people are aware of where they're putting themselves and they're not crossing your path and they're not getting in your way. And yeah. And I said, and in any case, if that fails, just start coughing and spluttering because <laughs> that's more effective than shouting bomb in a crowded tube station. <laughs> yeah, it would be now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm very much like that. I'm not a big I don't like people like being all up in my personal space. So I love the whole social distancing social distancing. Too, and that's part of that joke is the intro so, in that joke is that I love social distancing. It's fucking brilliant. I hope yeah. it stays. I hope it's like that too. We all we all stay the fuck away. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll generally miss that. Um I, can't, I don't think there was any other general stuff. That's the thing, like, my sets changed so much, which is why I know I've got over 20 minutes of decent material, because I had a completely different set, like, um, like, five months ago that I was doing. I work more than one set at a time, though. Mm. I've probably got, I've got probably four, depending on what somebody wants. So I've got a really nice 20 that, that can be a 25, 30 if it needs to be. Have you got them all in your head, like, learned? No, oh, I've, got, I've learned them all, more or less. Yeah, that's one of the hardest things, I think. Like, that's just me, more though. My memory is terrible. Well, I work in 10, 15-minute bits. And then, you know what I mean? So, like, yeah. I did a 30-minute at Nottingham Comedy Festival, and what I'm doing at the moment is I'm working on 20 minutes of that. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So I just took a chunk out, and I'm I'm playing with it. And, and, and then I've got a 20 to 25 that... I'm using to apply to open play to apply for paid spots. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I've got. I've got my first paid opening spot next month. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to get it to at the moment as well. Like get that kind of thing. And I'm lucky because it's a friend of mine, and I did her gig the other night, and she liked it so she enjoyed it so much, and the audience loved. After I left, she she rung me up later and said the audience absolutely loved you, Colin. (laughs) <laughs> they said, have you got, he said, I know you did a 10 at this one, she said, but if you're happy to come back and you've got 20 minutes of, of material, then come back and open it. Uh, that's, I mean, that's just exactly what you want to hear, isn't it? So Yeah. 40 quid, the money's not great, but it's... A, yeah, it's not about that. It's Markfield. It's a 34-minute drive from our house. It's not about that anyway, is it? It's about like getting your, you know, that's your first paid spot, like you said, so you can use that to get more. But never an opening spot. That goes on CV. Have been paid opener for Jack of Clubs comedy. That that goes on the CV that you then send out to get other gigs, innit? Yeah, yeah, your comedy CV, man. Uh, exactly the same for me with the um, the Midland Comedy Ward finalist thing. That's one of those things that I got told, you know, always put that on your cv always mention that on things now like which is why it's like at the bottom of this flyer that i'm handing around you know it's at the bottom yeah. 
because that's one thing I want to get into doing more. I want to build up as well now. I know we need to push up to get to 20 minutes, paid opener spots, that kind of thing too. But I also want to um, do a lot more emceeing as well. So I really like emceeing. I like hosting. Me too. I've got, um, I'm doing a, I start running a quiz night tomorrow night. Ah. Um, not for me, for someone else, but it's 40 quid for two hours work. It. <laughs> Is that like online or? No, no, we're live in a venue. Ah, cool, cool. And um, the venue have asked him already to do a comedy night. There you go, yeah. And he doesn't do comedy nights, really, but he, he can. Um, and I've said to him, well, if we get on and it goes well and the venue like me, then you put it on in your name and we'll do all the backgrounds. Do you know what I mean? You don't need to come yeah, down to yeah. We'll do it in association with Sounds Proper and we'll book the acts. I'll MC the night. You don't even need to come. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So that would be nice if I could get... I'd like some regular paid MC work. Yeah. Um, I need 100 quid a gig. That's what I'm trying to get to. Because then I can do 15, 16 gigs a month and I'm all right. I don't need to work then. And then I can look what at... What Then the first step is getting to... That's for me the next stage now is getting to... Yeah, yeah, that's your next... Where I'm yeah. going 100 quid a night. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. I just... Um... Very much like my way of thinking too. You always want to have like a target to work to. Well, a couple like, you know, like the openness fighting the MC for me yeah. at the moment as well. And also my next one I've had for a while is I want to do um one of the comedy tents to download. I really want to do that. Yeah. That would be so much fun, I think. And you get to get yeah. the download for free as well, you know. Yeah, I love, uh, yeah, I'd quite like to do some festival comedy next summer. I think it sounds proper, though. I think we're going to approach a couple of festivals that don't do comedy already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I was going to say, a lot of them do, though, I think, don't they? Yeah, not, but, yeah, some of them. But I think we could still get into one or two. I tell you, um, it's, it's worth trying still. But, um, oh, God, we're still recording, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you not? <laughs> Was that not supposed to be told? I don't know. I can't remember what I've said now. About um, uh, that you're going to try and look into doing comedy at festivals. Yeah, that'd be wicked. I'd love to do comedy and out uh, in festivals. Yeah, that'd be wicked. Yeah, but I mean, pro comics—they're not bothered, are they? They're like they don't. I don't think they really like doing it. I think the money's good. What? What was that? Sorry, I didn't. You hear pro comics talk about doing the festivals and oh, that, and it yeah. doesn't sound like a pleasant experience. No, no. Man, it's... Most comedians aren't really the festival-going types. <laughs> yeah. Public school. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's true. And even if they're not posh, they're usually, they're usually middle-class-ish. Yeah, I was about to say exactly that. It is strange, actually, now you say that. There is a lot of middle-class comics. I know quite a few. But... I mean, I'm working class as hell, right? But my kids were raised in a middle-class way because I don't think middle cl- I don't think class equates to money anymore. I think because... No, it- no. Economy, middle class people are skinned too. Yeah, <laughs> especially you know, with the cost of living going up now. You know, middle class is more a way of doing things. Yeah, it is an economic position now. Yeah, you know, it's, so like just another style. Like you know, you got middle yeah. class, you got working class, like you said, you got chavs, you got you goths. Know, I know our I know our kids were raised middle class, even though me and their mum were relatively working class, right? Because we had books on the shelves. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a spoons, you can't get more middle class than that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, you know, like, like Rob Rob Beckett talks about going to his in-laws for the first time because that because he apparently they're quite posh, right? Mm. And he's like, you know, what I mean, there's no TV in the lounge, and he's like, where? What does everything point at then? <laughs> fucking fair point, though. There's another comedian that talks about you know you're in a working class house when the TV's too big for the room it's in. <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah. You got an eighty inch screen in a six by four bedroom. I remember the days though, you know, when a big TV like used to walk in. I knew someone that had one just like that. Um and you'd walk in and yeah, it was big, but the technology wasn't really there, so it just made it really fuzzy. Yeah. But the amount of people that would have these big ass TVs at the time and I never understood that. And I do you remember the first big ass TVs? How heavy were they? Oh, uh, do you mean the ones with the backs? Yeah, oh mate, the ones with the backs. They've all got backs, but I don't know. There'll be a lot of listeners of the podcast that won't have been around when TVs weren't light as a feather. Exactly when they were flat, you know, like they're they're flat now, like even the first flat screens weren't flat at all, were they, like they are now? Yeah, no, the, the, the TV, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, moving out in the old days, everything's so much more lightweight now. Have you seen, like, they've literally got now ones that um, are just a piece of glass? So if you looked at it and it wasn't on, it just looks like a piece of glass on a wall. Yeah. That is crazy. Obviously, that would be a ridiculous amount of money. I don't even know if they're commercially available, but they have them. I don't. Uh, I don't know. It's a fascination, isn't it? Make it smaller. Steve Jobs was like that, wasn't it? I don't know if it's an urban myth or not, but Steve Jobs with one of the iPhones, it was either the four or the five or something, right? Mm. He took it. The, the worker took it to him, and he's gone. Make it smaller. He's gone, we can't make it any smaller. It's as small as we can make it. So he threw this million, billion dollar prototype in the fish tank, right? It sunk and bubbles came out of it. There's still some air in there making small. (laughs) I can't even argue with that logic as well. That's the worst part. (laughs) Honestly, man, I don't know if it's a myth or not. I mean, he had a terrible diet, didn't he, though? And which is essentially, I think, no, I'm not actually sure what killed him, actually, but I know he had a terrible diet. Wasn't he? He had personal hygiene issues. Yeah, yeah. He's just a very weird guy, wasn't he, with the stuff he did? Very quirky, but like a lot of them really smart people are for some reason. I like Steve Jobs, man. I think I love the idea, though, that he's this, he's like, you can imagine being his, the geezer going, look, we can't make it any smaller. And as he throws it in the fish tank, you'd be like, <laughs> I work. That's worth $10 million, sir. And then, then you'd also be... He says, never mind that. There's bubbles coming out of it. There's air in that. And, it and the person saying it, it's his $10 million as well. Yeah, he's like, make it smaller. There's air in that. You know, like, with that kind of fascination, though, like, going forward with the constant need to, like, make better technology, Do you, are you one of these people that buys into um, AI will eventually, you know, like, take over? Or just AI, you know, in general? 
just I don't like AI because I've seen Terminator and iRobot. <laughs> you know, iRobot, I'm a, especially. I'm a bit wary. I feel a bit like we're at the beginning of a really bad sci-fi movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we're sat there going, oh, it'll be fine. It won't be like the movies. And then it's going to be like the movies, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's going to be like the movies. I like um, Elon Musk's way of looking at it. Is like he was saying he used to be really scared of it um, when he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. He used to be really scared of it, but um, now he just has a nihilistic, I think it is, outlook on it. It's like, yeah, it could be okay. It could destroy humankind. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Nothing you can do about it. <laughs> it's like, it's going to happen. Either, he's saying, he's of the opinion as well, that it's going to happen either way. That AI is going to always, someone is always going to make it somewhere and it's always going to happen. It's part of evolution. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I think like anything in it, I find most technologies in history have been relatively harmless. It's when you cross a man with the said technology. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Einstein, you know, the theory of relativity and, and all that. And E equals MC squared. And right. He effectively cracked the, cracked the problem that was stopping them creating the atom bomb. Do you know what I mean? But he didn't know that at the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? He didn't, he didn't know that he was giving them the final mathematical piece to create the atom bomb. Or maybe he did. I like to Yeah, because yeah, isn't the idea, it was someone else, wasn't it, that built it, but they did it through his research or something. They used his mathematical equations because he did yeah. I was involved in the splitting of the atom, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, but um, not directly in. Took part in the calculations, didn't he? I mean, they say he didn't directly take part in the making of the bomb, but he could have done, like you said. Like, well, he did. I mean, he did to all intents and purposes. He well, did. knowingly, knowingly, sorry. But knowingly, number one, I like to hope not. You know, yeah. but he did look like a crazy bastard. I mean, look at his barnet. Have you seen him on the new adverts now popping up? And the electricity adverts. Yeah. You know, they're all a bit mad. Nikolai, Nikolai Tes Tesla, you know, they were all a bit, they were all a bit, bit, bit. I think genius and insanity, there's a fine line between the two, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. I think um, it's especially true with creative people as well. Yeah. Like, creative people, we're, we're, we're weird people, let's be honest. I'm sure you agree. Like... Just all very quirky, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Basically, yeah. everything you were saying about your people, like, you know, that's the, how I see comedy people. Temperament goes with it. That's the problem. There's an artistic temperament. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's the artistic temperament that makes us a bit moody. And because I don't know about you, but I'm a bit moody. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm very much, I am quite, almost a personification of the kind of tears of a clown. Do you know what oh, I mean? I'm yeah. Quite, I'm not, I don't rage through life making jokes, you know what I mean? I wasn't the class clown. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, most people say to you when they find out you're a comic, yeah, I bet you were the class clown. I wasn't. You know what I mean? I, I, I was quite solitary and... Yeah, kid, yeah. You know, I... I I, I I know what you mean exactly like I was I was the class no I wasn't the class clown sorry but in my group of friends I was very much the idiot the clown you know yeah. only with the people I was really comfortable with. Whereas I I always told funny stories you know what I mean but I wasn't 
a joker as such. Nobody would be going, oh, Colin, yeah, he's fucking funny. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't, you know. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. But equally, I know people that tell great stories that would be shit comedians. Yeah. <laughs> As much as I use stories I've been telling for years, I've still gone through the process of writing them. Yeah, yeah. And I've embellished and I've changed things. And Yeah, you've, it is all about rewriting real-life stuff, which is why I like the same with music um, as well. You're, you have to live, like the Zen way of looking at it, you have to live life before you can write about it or before you can make music about it. Having said that, a very wise man once told me, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. And like, I don't know. I tell a, I tell a story about last Valentine's Day, and um, we've been living together under lockdown for a year. We moved in together because of lockdown. It was yeah, we're in together or we're not going to be able to see each other. And I open the joke with roses are red, violets are blue. You're sick of me, and I'm sick of you. Is what I got in my Valentine's Day card this year. It's right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's a whole bit about how we're sick of each other. We've done the same thing for 300 and odd days and we're sick of it. And there's an element of truth. We were sick of yeah. each other. We were genuinely. But something you I, know a lot of people can, um, what's the word, connect with, you know, emphasize, um, you know what I mean? Like one of the best, one of my favorite jokes I ever written, wrote is. Um, did anyone look at their partner during lockdown and we and think, I wish I was fucking dead. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's where I was to go. It would be expected me to me to want the other person to be dead. I think that joke works so much better because I'm saying, oh, I'm so sick of you. I wish I was dead. You know what yeah, I mean? And it, it's just out of nowhere as well. Like, it's not well. I thought you was going to go, like, you know, not the loving way. I thought you was going to go the other way, but not yeah. that much. Did you ever, yeah, look at your partner during lockdown and think, I wish I was dead? <laughs> and it, but so there's an element of truth to that story. We did move in together because of lockdown. By last Valentine's Day, I really couldn't have given a fuck about it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And we really were sick of the sight of each other. But at no point did I wish I was dead. <laughs> yeah. At no point did she sit watching a blank screen with headphones on just because it was preferable to talking to me. <laughs> I mean, it was just a, 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 a piece of over-exaggeration. Yeah, so you can't let the truth get in the way of a good story. It, it, people are expecting us to fib. Yeah, of course. To um, embellish, like you said, it's the perfect <laughs> way as well. And the better comedians we are, and the more work we put into writing the easier the audience will find it to suspend their dis willing disbelief. Yeah, the suspension of disbelief. Yeah, yeah it's that. As a wrestling fan, that's, I know exactly what you mean with that. Yeah, and it, it, it's about, you know, I mean, what you've got to make it easy for them. So it can't yeah. sound too exaggerated. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It, 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 you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think there's... It has to be rooted in truth, something that you can connect with. But yeah, it, and I okay. do talking about conspiracy theories where I go, look, I know I'm on dodgy ground. Conspiracy theorists and comedians, we've got one key thing in common. We both take a tiny piece of truth and embellish it for effect. 
you know, and because and, and it, it's really true. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, a, yeah. You know, there's the parenting stuff I wrote is a little bit more honest because it's about my experience as a as a parent. But yeah. when I'm talking about God and conspiracy theories, and I'm just showing the world how my autistic brain works, and what it does is it finds the most ridiculous of examples. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It, yeah, yeah. I wanted to write about the Bible. The Bible's been written about by loads of comics. So I looked for a new angle. So that's you know, what I was about to say. That's the only I, reason I don't talk about um, the Bible and stuff as much anymore. I love doing yeah. it, but it's just been done to death. But when you find a new way to do it, yeah. it's nice. Well, I talk about... Have you heard me do my Bible set? You haven't, have you? Have you heard me uh, do no, my... No, no, I haven't heard you do anything, no, I, I don't think. Talk about... Um, I start with uh, conspiracy theories, and there's not enough autism to take this seriously. Because I talk about it being storytelling over time. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, and I talk about the fact that people, and I ask the audience, have you ever played Chinese Whispers? And then everybody's played Chinese Whispers, and you go, I've heard the phrase, me and Dave go down the pub with Danny, turn to Dave's missus has got a massive fanny. <laughs> no, in a game of Chinese whispers. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That. So what I then do is go on to find the ridiculous in the Judas story. So Judas ch charged with selling Jesus down the river, 30 pieces of silver. Imagine them fucking about in the Garden of Gethsemane after the Last Supper, which, of course, then would have just been supper. Mm, mm. You know what I mean? Because I'm thinking... If you got an invite that said you're cordially invited to the Last Supper, I'm not sure you'd turn up. There's a bit of a there's a bit of a dark foreboding, isn't there? You know what I mean. So what I then do is I give this image of Judas and Jesus in the garden, bit pissed as they start scrapping. They're having a little scrap. Do you know what I mean? Right? Two Romans walk around the corner. A chase ensues. Judas gets to the corner, turns round. Jesus has been nabbed by the feds. Can't resist shouting back. You might be able to walk on water, you prick, but you shit over 100 metres. <laughs> so the, the point is that I was trying to make is that I've just tried to be, I, I to, to just err on the ridiculous. That's what I do as a comic. Yeah, know? yeah. You know, I mean, if I was going to try and sell myself as a comic, I use ridiculous stories to make really quite startling points you know <laughs> yeah. to make really quite serious points you know and even the bible stuff is silly but it makes the point that just because it is written it doesn't make it so what i'm saying here now is as likely to be true as what the good book says <laughs> in a sense that anything could be yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is well, and then there's a callback to, so I shouldn't really be cross at Dave, should I? The conspiracy theorist. Do you know what I mean? Because that's he's, he's no different to the Bible. So, do you know what I mean? It's well, I mean, I mean, in that sense, though, I mean, that, that's like saying we should respect the Bible when I don't think we should respect the Bible. To be fair, though, personally, like we, I can't respect it because it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Forty nights in the Bible, KD. I live in Nottingham. Sometimes it rains for six months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, 
And there's no... I've never, I mean, to, I've never had to build so much as a canoe. Getting into, like, a realistic... Well, to be fair, getting into a realistic, like, scientific point of it, there was apparently a big flood around the time with um, Noah's Ark would have estimated to be from what they were saying. But that is in a no big, way what it was made out to be, you know. A big flood that flooded the entire of the Holy Land. Uh, as I was about to say, not flood in any manner. The entire of the driest part of the world. But I, I, I'm sure that was the case. I might be wrong with that, but I think that was just one person I listened to was saying it. So I don't yeah. know about the truth behind that, but everything else. Like the nativity story always made me laugh, man, right? It's 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem, mm. right? If you'd have told your nine-month pregnant missus to get on a donkey and you were going 90 miles, <laughs> what do you think her first response would have been? Fuck you. <laughs> I don't yeah. know though. I, I don't think she would have said much because her husband Joseph, or wherever they were, boyfriend, is still happy to pretend that he believes that she did not cheat on him and that it was God. I, see, I stayed away from that because that's been done to death. The yeah. kind Jimmy Carr tells the famous joke about if it was on Jeremy Kyle, it'd be like Joseph Mug Mary Slack. that's the thing like that straight away though when we're actually talking about how terrible the bible is like that begins it all and that point straight away at any other time in any other situation you would not buy that for a second no you just wouldn't you wouldn't and surely god could afford a condom i mean come on and the nativity story gets worse because he gets her on the donkey doesn't he right (laughs) and so again i've lived with a pregnant woman so have you right With the baby jumping up and down on her bladder, after how many steps do you think she'd need to get off the donkey to piss again? I'm thinking every two or three. Yeah, it wouldn't take long. Yeah, right. The baby would have been born at the side of the road in the desert with the vultures circling. Very different nativity story. (laughs) And why wouldn't you just go earlier? Why wouldn't you just make the trip earlier and just like get a hotel room while you're waiting? Just ridiculous. You know what I mean? And And then... We've all been hurt. We've all heard this, haven't we? We've all heard our pregnant woman say, if I get down there, I won't be getting back up again. Yeah. That would have been her response when he told her to sleep on the stable floor. Pick a stable out of her. He travelled 90 miles to sleep on a stable floor. Yeah, man. Right. And Mary was the most patient pregnant woman in the history of womandom. You know, they both were. Or the Bible was written by a bloke. <laughs> the Bible is all about Jesus that was written like 200 years after Jesus was already dead Yeah, by people that never met Jesus yeah. or, or Mary or Joseph or whatever but um, one of the best things I love about it is like, they talk about the consolations and that and that backs up the fact that he was never born at Christmas, he was born like in the, uh, March I think it was the only yeah. reason we celebrate Christmas is just because it fits in with the old pagan holiday um, I can't remember what it is. Just the, yeah. another thing. The another thing about that, isn't it? What happens when you follow a star? You go round in a circle. <laughs> you know what I mean? you know, they they must have believed the Earth was flat still back then. So you know what I mean, why I do you go know. round in a circle? Well, because that's how astrophysics works. Do you know what I mean? They weren't three wise men at all. They were three nominally intelligent boys when they started. Well, I mean, you can follow a star, like you know, for a night, but. If they if it's more than one night, then no, they're buggered. Go around in a circle. 
If you follow the star? Yeah. Like for one night, you'd never make it to the star, would you? Though? So you know it would be, yeah, it'd be the, pointing the north, star, I mean. The Earth spins, the star's position changes gradually over a night. So you could follow a star, but ultimately you'd end yeah. up going back in a circle. Okay, I see what you mean, yeah. Because, yeah, that's weird, actually, because I've always thought about it, like, you know, with um, scouts and stuff, and they'd say about you can figure out where you are from the stars in the sky. I suppose you would also kind of need to know what you need to know what time it is. Yeah, but we're not going to notice if they've only moved, from our perspective, a quarter yeah. of a millimetre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it's so... But, yeah, if you followed the star, man, you'd go around in a circle... Because it would always be in the same place, virtually in the sky. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> you know, what I mean, it, it's you have not to travel fast to keep up with this. What I'm saying is, it's not the behaviour of a wise of one or three wise men. It is, it is indeed not. You know, like, and surely and my, they should know where they're going anyway if they're that wise as well. And my, surely, they, if they're that wise too, why are they giving a baby a load of gold and stuff? Isn't it like oh, frankincense? Uh, yeah, I mean, baby products would have been better. You know, nappies, yeah. nappies, wet wipes. Yeah. Maybe some stitches for Mary. I can't imagine yeah. the son of God was small. No. You know. I mean, I was about to say we've all seen the pictures, but the pictures are slightly askew anyway from reality. Yeah. I think my favourite part of my ramblings about the Bible is when I start talking about Jesus having disciples. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And is there any wonder when he could turn water into wine? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If you had a power to turn water into wine, would you let him out of your sight? Do, do you know the actual facts behind that whole story, though, the water into wine? No. Like it, it's supposed to be, the concept is, though, it was actually, there was a water and it yeah. took the cut-off foreskins from people that had been circumcised and they went into the into the bottle of water and it turned red and that made it wine. That's disgusting. That's apparently where it comes from. I've heard this from a few different things. I haven't explicitly read it in the Bible myself to, you know, fact check it because I don't care enough to do that, to be honest, to read the Bible. <laughs> but I could buy it because I don't buy by turning water into wine. <laughs> no, I'm not buying it. <laughs> um, but... That that fits perfectly though. Thinking about, like you said, with Jesus having disciples and that, it fits perfectly with what I say about. At what point does a cult just become a religion? What yeah. point does a cult become Christianity? Yeah, that point. Well, if Jesus could turn water into wine, it would explain why the Romans wanted him dead. <laughs> because if my biggest exports wine, and some little twat turns up turning water into it, I'd suspect I'd want to nail him to a cross as well. <laughs> You know, one thing I've generally never understood about the whole story, actually, that's one really um, interesting point. Like, the whole, they crucified him. Um, I mean, first of all, they did it, uh, apparently, the right side up, which they would normally do him upside down anyway. But they did it the right side up. But more than anything, they put him in the tomb after, and they would never do that. They would never, that's like a, um, a respectful burial in, like, Roman ways of thinking whereas normally they would just like throw them on a heap somewhere you know there'd never be any reason for them to do that normally you could go and take the body down i think if you wanted yeah you could take it down no but i mean you wouldn't go put it in a tomb i think that, i think even from the because 
I I write my Bible stuff from a place of I got a I'm an A A star A level RE student, mm. right? And the the I'm, my understanding of the story is that it was in fact his uncle that took him down and put him in a family tomb, a family plot. Oh, so it was never the Romans anyway, then? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It, my understanding of it was is most people were left to rot and get eaten by the birds. But I think once the mm. person was dead, you were allowed to come and claim the body. And I didn't even know he had any other family, in all honesty. The concept I'm of that. Sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it even mentions in the Bible. I'm sure it even says. That's what I'm saying. I think it was an uncle or someone mm. chopped his body down and put him in the tomb because it was a family tomb. It was, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that would make him. I talk about telling off Jesus when he was a kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Because I'm a stepdad and occasionally my mm. kids go, I'm telling me dad. His dad's a fucking God. Oh God! Yeah, that's a whole other concept. That I didn't even think about it like that. <laughs> it was fucking God, you know what I mean? and you can't grab a little bastard because a rock and cave didn't hold him when he was dead. Mm. Oh fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm just imagining like telling off the son of God, and that he could just turn into essentially like um a fucking superhero or something. Well, the end of my set is I say, how do you chastise the son of God? I'm telling my dad, can't ground him. Do you know what I mean? So I homage Monty Python and I go, so you've got Mary and Joseph stood over him doing the parenty waggly finger going, you are the Messiah, but you're a very naughty boy. <laughs> oh, one sec. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so it kind of go, yeah, you are the Messiah, you're right. You are the Messiah. Go, because the, the quote from Life of Brian is, you're not the Messiah, isn't it? You're a very naughty boy. But obviously, oh. in the context of it, Mary, the, the life of Monty Python, the, the, the line would be, you are the Messiah, yes, but you're a very naughty boy. I've never been a, a huge Monty Python person myself. I mean, I'm not a fan. I, I, I like Life of Brian a lot. It was just my little homage to them, really. I'll tell you one quote, one quote I do love, and I've seen the bit so many times now, and it's just gone around my friend circle, which is why he's been in my head so much. The whole, um, tis but a flesh wound. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good night all caught up. So, oh, yeah. so stupid, all of it. But it, I appreciate this. I have nothing against this. I just haven't watched much of it myself. I used to watch Carry On quite a lot. Like, just I grew up with Carry On films I did. Yeah. Are you into them at all? No, not really, no. I think... I, I, I don't think for anything particular reason. I just... I kind of miss that. We didn't watch them in... We didn't watch them in the house, really. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They're oh, not yeah. the thing you really should watch around children, to be fair. And go if you go. I've I've seen them. I've seen I've seen a bit of one recently, and they've not aged very well. <laughs> no, but they're still uh, on TV all the time, though. You know, they've not aged very well, and I think if certain episodes of Only Fools and Horses have been banned, then I would say the Carry On films won't be far behind. 
Yeah, I, to be fair, this is a good thing to talk about before we finish up. Then all the different like ones, like the programs that have um, been cancelled and that, because there's quite a few, isn't there? And it it's shocking that like, something like Carry On is still carrying on. But then, like you said, only four. I didn't even know about an only fools and horses one. Which one was that? Just a certain episodes. It's the, yeah, the, yeah. And little tweaks. Uh, what was I watching the other day? I was watching Two Pints of Lager, right? <laughs> and there's a series that I know really well. But yeah. I was watching it back on the iPlayer recently, and there's just certain little jokes missing. Just that's what. Yeah. The, where and you can see the sort of cancel culture seeping into stuff. Yeah, you know, it's like, very obvious. You can tell straight away. Like Mighty Boosh, right? They didn't ban all of Boosh. They just took off the one episode that's got the blackface in it. Oh, right? it's, it's not even proper blackface, is it? It's just um, a character with a natural black face. You know. Yeah, it's not yet. But the Little Britain one was roof was 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 too far. Yeah, I mean. That- I'm, I kind of agree with the Little Britain one because I think David Walliams and 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 they should have known better. You know, I don't, I don't know which one in particular, but I'm guessing uh, just they one of the characters they dressed up as was black. Then, or... yeah, there was there was I don't know if there was more than one example, but we can't do it anymore, man. We can't. You know what I mean? It, it's I. You know. So I hold can... on, Wait, hold that thought just for one sec. My mum's called. What are we on about? I think. With the Little Britain thing, we oh, knew, that was in Little Britain, yeah. We knew blackface was wrong, right? The the mighty boost thing for me, it's been misinterpreted. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? But yeah. we knew blackface was wrong, and David Walliams and Co. ought to have known better. Do you know what I mean? And, and yeah, because right. I was still like, um, what kind of time was Little Britain like? It was not. Year? 2000s, wasn't it? It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it was definitely um, after the 2000s. Probably, yeah. yeah, probably like 2002 to 2005, that kind of time. Yeah. Least. Yeah. You know, so, things like little references in something like Only Fools and Horses, you shouldn't, you can't, you shouldn't be cancelling stuff because society's changed. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, that's part of our cultural heritage. And okay, yeah. we might not agree with it, but to cancel it is wrong. Now, if it was if only yeah. Fulton Horses was written today, don't fucking make it. It would be abhorrent. <laughs> you know I mean? but, yeah, yeah. but we should be cancelling art and people's mm-hmm. stuff because sensibilities have changed. And then you lose it as well. Like it's just you know history. I mean? History is already there. Like pulling the statues down. You don't solve history's problems by erasing it. Yeah. These like, these statues serve as reminders, serve as beacons to make sure we don't go there again. Yeah. Like I would. Um, I've talked about this a few times, like the statues in particular. Like I used to be a lot more of that opinion too. Like that, no, they should just stay there. Like you know, because that's they've been there, their, their history. But now I'm also more of the like fair minds. Like, well, statues always change anyway. Things always get taken down, and things always get re um you know redesigned and that. 
um, updated, as long as there was something there to commemorate, like, what was there, just like a little plaque, just making a point of what was there, like, you know, a statue to this person removed due to changes in, you know, because they were slave traders or whatever, or they had something to do with it. Um, that's what I love it is, obviously. Liverpool and Bristol were built on slave money. Do we pull them down? No, no. I mean, just the little statues. Do we pull the UK apart because it was all built on slave money ultimately? Do you know yeah. what I mean? You know, it's a, where does it stop? That's my point. There's, you know, to quote that's... Jeremy Kyle, we need to draw a line in the sand and go, right, <laughs> that wasn't right before that line, but we're yeah. going to move forward and we're not going to erase everything before that because nobody's learning. I How I can... do you know not to have another Holocaust, right, without there being monuments to the Holocaust, right? Because I didn't exactly. teach Holocaust studies to my children. You know what I mean? It's, yes. It, it's, you know what I mean? It's, That's what I'm saying, though. A monument is good. Hence why you should have a plaque there or maybe replace it with a statue or something else. But I appreciate, you know, not wanting... Depending on the person, obviously, just if they had some slight involvement with Sato, because it was everywhere at that point, it's a different sensibility, like you're saying, you know. So if there could have been a good person that was just had some connection, some manner to it, just because it was the time. But if they were just a literal dickhead, like slave trader, like the ones that beat people and stuff, you know, you don't want that likeness. I can understand not wanting to look at that likeness. Every second building's called Coulson something or other. So what? every because it was Coulson the statue in Bristol that they pulled down, right? Oh, okay. Every second building is called the Coulson what Coulson whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where do you stop? Do you rename yeah. the buildings? Do you rename the streets? Do you? It just mm. yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. I don't think that, and it's not funny. And I know we're supposed to be a comedy webcast <laughs> uh, podcast, but it. It's not. Oh, we just chat about anything. You don't have to always be specifically. Not, you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. it's, you know, but the answer is not to give in to herd mentality and start smashing the place up. You know what yeah. I mean? That's not, Never. That's not the answer. You know what like I mean? It's our place. Why are we smashing our own house for? What are we doing? Yeah, you know what I mean? It's just like. You know, I mean, just... yeah, yeah. I, I I don't agree with like you know the whole go in and like pull the statue down. Like at the same time, I don't overly disagree with it. Like I'm pretty indifferent to it. I guess these statues themselves, depending it, depending on the get people to sign it. And well, yeah, yeah. The council to remove it. Don't... Other ways to go about it because then it would make it would be more likely that something will be done about it in the future. Because the way it was gone about the first time puts a bit of a stink on it, trying to get it done again, you know, the proper way. Like with anything, a stink on it as far as the government's concerned, you know. If we erase it, us. it didn't happen. You know what I mean? And and, mm. and, and that's that's the... I... I if, you shouldn't erase it either. Like I'm saying take the statue down. I understand that. Put something up to commemorate something else, but then that statue taken to like a museum or something, you know, and that's all mentioned. That's part of its history as well, you know. Yeah, but, and that's still a sign of history. Then, what do you think people were doing when they saw his statue? Do you think they were going, "Yeah, that geezer's wicked"? No, they were going, "Yeah, that's that dickhead that fucking did slavery." Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And and, and I, 
it's difficult, man, because I do intellectually, I understand both sides. But the intellectual snob in me thinks that it should just don't, you know, more evolved. Our responses have to be more evolved. Yeah, yeah. Look at it this way, though. Mentality and throwing a statue in the water. Look at it this way. Are you against renovating an old building? No. I see you like renovating an old building. Against pulling it down, though. Oh, oh yeah, people just going and throwing some ropes yeah. over and pulling it down. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's, there's, um, I mean, there's, there's proper to... ways to get something done to do yeah, something. The council and get it moved. Yeah, yeah. And you move but... it and you put it somewhere in a museum or a but... somewhere. Do you know what I mean? So that it serves as a reminder. This guy yeah. was a dick, right? He had all these statues built because he thought he was the dog's bollocks, and it turns out he was selling misery. This is the con. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say, though, with that, I don't know if this happened at all before that, but I could totally imagine people trying to get the council to take it down and the council just fobbing them off and then them um, deciding to do it themselves that time. And then, well, not, not that. So then deciding to do it themselves. And at least now there's a spotlight on it. So you can have that conversation. It's a bit more out in the open. But obviously, I don't know if they did that first, you know. If they tried to go through well, the um, I, route. Think I could totally imagine the council popping them off, though. If you've got a good campaign, though, and involve the media and stuff, and I yeah. think you with Black Lives Matter and stuff, you could mm. have got that statue removed without mob mentality. I yeah, think you, possibly, yeah, you could have just asked, <laughs> you know, I mean, really, because Black yeah. Lives Matter was fucking raging at the time, publicly you, asking as well on the news, like you said, doing that little um. You know, I mean, you probably campaign. Was that? You probably could have asked, <laughs> and out of a, a will not to want to end up in court or on the news, the fucking council would have gone, "Yeah, whatever you want, just fuck off." There's a good chance. I mean, just fuck off, shut up. It's gone. It's in the local museum. If they made a big stink about it, definitely, like you know, publicly in the media and all that, um, then definitely. But. Otherwise, I, to be fair, could imagine the council just fobbing them off completely. My issue is not what they want. My issue is how they want to achieve it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's another, you know, like we were talking about the death penalty earlier. Mm. And we have to be more evolved than to execute our problems. Yeah. We teach our kids. We teach our kids that you can't just get rid of a problem. You have to work through it and fix it. You can't just wish it away. Well, what's execution if it's not just mm, really yeah. problem? We yeah. can't we can't be asked to fix this person, so we'll just kill them off. That's the thing, isn't it? Because prison is literally supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be about just holding them. It's supposed to be about um, reconforming them, whatever the word is. But we all know yeah, it's rehabilitation. Not. Yeah, we all know it's not. Listen, have you seen that new BB, that new Channel Four series called Screw? Oh, I haven't seen it, but I know what you mean. It's, it, it's fucking good. It's worth a watch. And anybody listening, give it a watch. Um, it's a little six episodes. It's not long. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I was talking to a pal of mine that spent half of his adult life in jail. And he's just at that point now in his life where he's been out two years. And it's the first time he's been out two years in in a long time. Yeah, yeah. And um, he said it wasn't too far from the truth. 
You know, I mean, he said it's a little bit exaggerated for, for you know, for the TV. Yeah, yeah. He said, but it's not far from the truth. It's worth a, worth a watch. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I know a few people that have been in as well, so I know what you mean. And you do learn that, that um, a lot of this stuff is exaggerated. Like, my one mate, I always just used to do insult him all the time with soap on a rope. I bought him once. On, once. <laughs> but, um, now, I mean, back to cancer culture, though, it's still the same kind of thing, like with TV shows and that as well. Like, um, do you ever watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah. Like that one, any, like all the lethal weapon ones, but. The first one especially, I mean, I don't know how I feel about it because obviously it's an older program anyway at the time, not crazy old, like 10 years ago or 15 years ago at the time. Um, so I suppose at the same time as Little Britain actually, but one of the main key of the keys about the first episode anyway where they did it, the kind of point about putting blackface on was to say you can't do that, you know, they were saying the whole time you shouldn't do that, it's not right, so the, the context there, you can argue that 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 episode shouldn't have been removed. Yeah, but they knew what they were doing. Yeah, that's the thing as well, though, isn't it? That's the problem, man. It's all right. Yeah. Going, yeah, we're just doing it to mock it. But they know, could, yeah. Couldn't you say that about anything? Couldn't you technically stab someone and say, I'm just doing it to mock it? That's a fair point, actually, when you put it like that, yeah. Just, you know what I mean? I'm just... Yeah, yeah. ...to mock it. I tell you what, let's have a let's have a, just a little interlude because that reminded me of something somebody said to me recently. Right, you'll appreciate this. Okay. They uh, they um they said they were a, a, a functioning alcoholic. Yeah, I'm not sure you can be both. You know, what I mean, I'm not sure you can be both functioning or an alcoholic. You know, I mean, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that it's possible. I think I'd agree with that. <laughs> you know, I mean, you um, definitely be a functioning buddhaholic. I can't be, but you can be a functioning buddhaholic. Yeah, like, yeah, that you can. I envy those people that can smoke and go about their day. I've never met anybody that's claimed to be a functioning cracker. <laughs> I, I, I've known one. Wow. Legit, yeah, one of my um, bosses at my old place. Um, in the call centre, uh, we was like a uh, credit company, you know, um, doing cards and fixed term stuff. And he was um, one of the higher up managers and he was legitimately, like, everyone knew it, like, and he talked about it openly, like when, not fully, like openly, openly, you know, but when you were talking to him. Um, yeah, he was crackhead when he went home at night, <laughs> took some crack. With different ways, whichever different way he felt like at that time. Yeah. Sometimes right. it was track things as well. I think it was crack anyway. <laughs> crack a heroin. Yeah. But <laughs> ah, one or the other. He was talking about track lines like and all that kind of stuff, you know. So um, yeah. that's heroin, isn't it? Or is that yeah. crack? Yeah, heroin, yeah. Yeah, heroin, then okay. I don't know if that's the same thing as a crackhead, but I class it as. <laughs> Nice man, to be fair though. That was, was, you wouldn't yeah. think it by looking at him. I, uh, I I overheard this conversation recently, and this is a true story as well. Right. My, um, my A very close friend of mine is a drugs re rehab worker. Yeah. And another very close friend of mine is a drug dealer, and they know each other. Right. <laughs> right. And my mate, who shall we remain nameless, said, 
can you hook me up so I can sit outside your place and just sell drugs to your clients? Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm, I'm sat there thinking, do you know how wrong that is? Do you know what I mean? That's like, you're going to go to a place where people are trying to recover from the misery that people like you have done on them, and you're going to increase their misery. You know what I mean? It's a bit like packing a van full of kids and dropping them off at paedophiles' houses. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You know, it's like, and he said, they're doing drugs already. I'm pretty sure the paedophiles are fucking kids already. You know <laughs> what I mean? You want to take them there, yeah. Yeah, you know. And, and it's, it doesn't mean you want to hand deliver them. And what I realised was, it's moral. It's the difference between a moral issue and if it wasn't a moral issue, using the paedophile example would have been horrible. It would have been vile. Do you know what I mean? But because yeah. it's that, and he's like, it's not the same, but it is. Because it's not about what you're doing. It's about the moral dimension. The moral dimension, right, is equally as bad for you selling drugs to crackheads outside a drug rehab clinic as me being fucking kids on wheels for pedos. Yeah, it's not the same thing. But it's the same principle. Yeah, it's yeah. Moral, the 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 same moral, moral the same kind of. It's like moral. the same moral level. Well, not the same moral level, but it's like a higher up version of it. That's what we do. Yeah. And I said to him, and in any case, right? You said it'd, like, it'd be in the same way as like you know, um, hand like if you work in the morgue, taking one of the bodies to someone that you know fucks dead people. Well, I said to him, you deal cocaine, mate, right? And I know kids were harmed in the making of that product. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know what I mean? So in many ways, the drug dealing might be worse. There's murder, gang war, policemen being killed. In some ways, that cocaine getting to your door might be far more harmful than dropping pedos off a kid. For, for I mean, arguably, oh, yeah. It's the bigger crime. But not marijuana. No. We just, we just need to grow that. Not Get a little light. Drugs is that they're not legal. If they were legalised, then criminals wouldn't control them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they're going to do them either way, people are. Regulated, which is safer for the customer, safer for the farmer, because there's no criminals. We're a lot slower than than other places in general, though, aren't we, with that? Like, just looking at America, you know, when it comes to um, CBD and bud in general, you know. Like, yeah. I really wish we was at the level that America were, at least, just because then you could get, like, um, I was listening to a podcast earlier, um, Flagrant 2, they had Tim Dillon on, um, and they talked about at one point with um, one of the sponsors that they did, it was just um, some diet bud, basically, like, in between CBD and normal bud, and I was like, that's just sounds perfect for me because I'm a lightweight in general, always, always have been. So for me, yeah, it's just the idea that, you know, like that's just. I always prefer. Sponsor in America with that. I always preferred good hash. Good I hash, yeah. Hash if, I, if I could get hash in the UK, I'd never touch weed again. I say it's hard to find good hash in the UK, though, ain't it? I used, uh, I used to have a Spanish mate and I learned this. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I I just don't see the smoking as a thing. I think 
it's ludicrous to think that the Americans have started legalising bud before us, especially when you consider the war on drugs and the whole, you yeah, know, yeah. how over the top the Americans were. Uh, I mean, do you know a lot of the actual reason behind it, though? Because I learned a lot of this with um, one of the children of comedy podcasts again. They brought the um, great British cannabis conspiracy um, story to it the once and told me all about it. Like, do you know some of the stuff that's going on like with that? Well, I know that cannabis would replace a lot of pharmaceutical products. So I yeah, know they, they, they never wanted marijuana to be legal, have they? Because it, it helps with all kinds of fucking... And I'm a yeah. herbalist. I don't know if you know or not, but I've, I'm a dipl- I've got a diploma in herbalism. Oh, okay, no. We do, we do a whole we do a whole section on on marijuana. It's oh, wow. <laughs> it's massively good. It you know it encourages cell regrowth in every cell in your body. Wow, it's I didn't a know that. wonder drug. And, and that's drug, obviously CBD the same as well, then. Yeah, and the drugs. Yeah. Well, the CB it's not the THC that's the good bit. Exactly. Yeah, that yeah. Shit, we smoke on the street has had all the CBD bred out of it. Yeah, you know, what I mean, and in fact, I when I was in Holland, um, a, a guy that I used to talk to a lot, he used to smoke a lot of a lot of weed, and he used to take CBD drops. Yeah, that's what I'm doing now to balance the THC and the CBD content. Because um, for those of you that have never smoked out there, um, a lot of the mega strains now. You in the old days you had CBD and THC, and they're balanced mm. in in outdoor strain. Nice haze, nice haze. They're balanced really well, you know what I mean. But these mega strong weeds, where they bred out the CBD, which is the good stuff, yeah, from a health point of view, yeah, yeah. Um, and I always enjoyed the body high because that's why it is more into the body high. I always really enjoyed the body high, and you don't get that as much, obviously. With I, the cheese and stuff nowadays. You get it a bit with haze, good haze, but it's a few, a few yeah. drops of CBD oil before bed. I'd heartily recommend to everyone. Honestly, yeah, same. Go to your local um, health food shop or get online and 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 get yourself a CBD oil and be taking a few drops. Um, it, my... It's awesome for you. Mm-hmm. I can say from experience, like not just myself, but my mum's, um, I finally got her to start um, taking, uh, we got canaray, it's like there's morning, well, daytime drops and then some nighttime drops too. Um, it's helping her sleep better and she's also like waiting for like a double knee replacement and it's like just taking the edge off a bit as well, you know. Yeah. Um, it's a relaxant. Yeah, good. So it, 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 it kills you Relaxant. So if you're in pain, it's not a painkiller. If you want something that's going to take your pain away, it's not it. But what it does is it, it relaxes your muscles. So if you've got spasm in muscles, it gives it's it's really nice. I think. Yeah, well, it should be yeah. legal. It should be legal. We should be able to go and buy it from a shop. Which um, oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. Sorry, um, before we'd all still buy it on the black market because it'd be too expensive in the shops. Probably, probably. I think I would, though, just because, you know, to get the specific strain you want is the best part that I like about it. You know, you can actually pick what kind of bud you want because dealers generally just have one at, at a time, you know. Yeah, but they wouldn't. No shop. 
Right, I mean, I, I when I was in Holland, I had a man on a bike. I didn't smoke in, I didn't buy in coffee shops. Oh, okay, yeah. Because it was too bloody expensive. Oh, okay. But your weed man in Holland, he sent you a menu. <laughs> oh, see that? Yeah, it's just a higher standard over there, though, ain't it? Send you a menu. Not only that, you'll get a slip of paper through your door, and it's a WhatsApp number. Oh, I've had I've had a um, business card before for a dealer. You, you ping the WhatsApp number, he sends you your menu. <laughs> okay. Um, the, the, what I meant to say, did you were you aware that Britain is actually one of the biggest exporters of marijuana in the world? No. Yeah, this is the thing that um seems to be why they're keeping it illegal. I think. Uh, we're one of the biggest exporters. We grow it all here in huge like patches, um, and well, yeah. I mean, if it was legal, and the person what who owns it is um who owns it all is married to someone who's in the government stuff who decides on the laws and that kind of stuff. It sounds like a pure conspiracy, but it's just the truth, um, and that is what it is. Like, um, yeah. Think, uh, we're, the biggest, we're one of the biggest distributors. It's all there, but if that if it's legal, then the money doesn't go to the government anymore. It's all through the government, you know. Obviously, I, uh, I I I can't believe that it started changing in America before it has here. I think that's mm-hmm. um, I mean, I what I would have what I would have been partially tempted to do when we were in the EU. Is mm. take the British government to the court, the court of the European Court, because I, I, my understanding of the EU is that it enables free trade and it enables us all to be the same. So if 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 I can buy weed in a coffee shop in Holland, then I should be able to buy weed in a coffee shop in England, Ireland, France, Belgium. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and so, I mean, we're not a part of the EU now, though. But no, but that would have been. That would have been, I mean, I did two and a half years of a law degree. I never finished, but that would have been my, that would have been my, the way I'd have thought to tackle it would have been to go, look, we're all in the EU. Therefore, we should all be entitled to the same trade. Therefore, I should be allowed to sell weed in a shop. They're, allowed, be... they're allowed to in Holland. So well, why am I allowed to here? Who's going to be arguing that though exactly? Do you know what I mean? Like... Who is the one that's going to be actively going to the EU to argue that, to have that wanting enough in the first place that they'll listen to? Well, no, but that's what I'm saying. That would have been my argument would have been a legal one. I'd have said, I'm a British businessman. I want to set up a shop selling weed. I'm part of the, I'm an EU citizen. I thought you'd argue that they'd reach in some kind of... I can sell weed. I'll say you'd be saying that they're breaching some kind of EU law then yeah, or something. We should all be equal. Everywhere is the same. The laws are the same everywhere. Yeah, you I know? mean, depending on how we that actually... That would have been a potentially a winning argument. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose it just depends on the specific law, doesn't it? You're, you know what I mean? Under EU law, I should be entitled to the same trading conditions as everywhere else in the EU. Well, Our conditions, though, that's... it's not even legal for me to sell my product. Exactly, though, that's conditions. I mean, I don't know if you, you could argue that, really, could you? Like, because conditions would be the same like, around it, but the 
product isn't necessarily dependent on that. Do you know what I mean? I it was just a thought. No, I'm just trying to think about it as well. <laughs> like, it's quite interesting. <laughs> but, um, yeah, check that out, though, like, with the... Um, I want to go to Portugal and, and check out how it works there. Is that they, one of the places you can grow it? No, they decriminalised all drugs, didn't they? Oh, okay. So all drugs are decriminalised. They, they treat drugs in Por Portugal as a public health issue rather than a criminal one. Yeah, that's probably the... Well, it's true. I don't... I'm, the idea of getting arrested for putting something in yourself, like, it's... It's also the same concept, like, because isn't suicide illegal as well? Yeah, but you, you have, have to look at the bigger picture. Yeah, it might just be you buying a little bit of cocaine on a Saturday night, but like we were saying earlier, where's that cocaine come yeah, from? Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. What happened for that drug to get up your up yeah. mind on a Saturday night? But like you said, though, um, they argue that you should be arrested because of that reason. But at the same time, if the drugs were legal, that wouldn't be going on as well. So aren't they much to blame for that? Or wouldn't be happening as much, you know, the, arg the argument, you know, <coughs> uh, the argument of that about like legalising, isn't it? Because without that, then you wouldn't have all the uh, black market kind of yeah. version of it, yeah. And even if drugs were legal, there'd still be a black market. Yeah, you know, I mean, smaller though. You imagine, cheaper. You know, what I mean, they, they, you know, what I mean. So yeah, yeah. Black market's never going to work. De decriminalizing or legalizing drugs is not going to get rid of drug dealers. They'll someone, probably move on to something else. Someone's always going to have a cheap bag of summer that they got off the back of a lorry because there'll be legal products that are on the backs of lorries. Yeah, and to be fair, man, they could just move on to something else. Like you could imagine them going into like, um, you know, like um, sex trafficking, that kind of stuff, and then you have to have the discussion around prostitution as well about yeah. legalizing that. You know, and I then... think that's what you, that's what the Portuguese did. They made it a health issue. So yeah. drug, drug, drugs in Portugal are a public health issue. They're not a police issue. You can't be prosecuted for taking drugs. If you end up in court. For drug-related crime, it's rehab that you go in, not jail. Yeah. You like what, about, what about depending on what you did, though, like when you're on when you're high? Do you know what I mean? If you beat someone to death when you're high, then you're still going to jail as well. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> probably talk, we probably huh? talked bollocks for two hours now, haven't we? I know, yeah, yeah. It's been a good podcast. Um, I'm going to have to head off in a sec, though, because I need to go. I, and, I forgot. Did. I need to. Huh? We need to wrap it up, yeah, man. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I need to draw out some money and then call my um illegal florist anyway. So your illegal florist. Yeah. Hopefully one day legal, but right now illegal florist. What, this time of night, you've left that late, man. What? That's what I'm saying. It's been two hours. I forgot. I was originally going to say I'd cap it an hour and a half, but here <laughs> we are. I've enjoyed the chat. <laughs> it's been all right, man. Yeah, man. Listen, um, what it's find us on Sounds Proper Comedy. There you know. You if you're listening to the podcast and you liked my dulcet tones and you want to see what we're up to. Um, and if you're an insomniac and you're awake at 1am, we've got a show at 1am tomorrow. Well, it'd be Monday morning, early hours. So yeah, check us out. If you're in Nottingham, yeah, just check us out, man. <laughs> I'll get this um, uh, release in the morning anyway. So it'll be tonight for anyone watching this as this has come out. 
or listening as this has come out. Um, yeah, anything else? Sorry, I didn't quit you off, did I? No, that's fine, man. It's been a lot of fun. Cool. Um, and I'll see you next week, not this I, week, next week. Yeah, I was about to say as well, like on my end, to um, y'all know about all the KD comedy ink stuff. If you're watching this till the end, then you've probably watched some other stuff. Why wouldn't you? All of the content is amazing, but <laughs> <laughs> but this is um, coming up though for anyone in the England area, in the Birmingham area, every other Tuesday, starting the 15th of um, February. And then, as Colin said, he will be there for the first one. My first time meeting you in person and getting to see you on stage. Yeah. Or on floor. I'm trying to, I'm midway figuring out getting stuff to make a makeshift stage, but, you know. Right, right. My request is that you don't make a stage that I can fall off. Well, I mean, you can always fall off stuff. I, I mean, any stage you can fall off. And I probably will. I probably will, KD. <laughs> I saw someone fully smack their head on a stage trying to, I don't know what they were trying to do, but it can't oh. be worse than that. Do you know what I'm going to do for your night? I'm going to bring you my 15 minutes best. Oh, you know I appreciate I'm that. I'm going to do new material, man. Your your customers at your at your first night will get fucking a game call. Well, then you'll just have to come back and you can work some new material when you want yeah, to, them, won't you? We've had this discussion earlier, man. I never stop oh, thinking. That stuff. Oh, that yeah, yeah. yeah. There's always new material. There always is. It's just figuring out what you could. Like, I, I want to start doing that more. Just trying out all new things and just talking more than anything. Just being myself on stage is what I'm trying to focus on more. And I think MCing will help me do that as well. So, but yeah. But um, yeah. Thank you very much, Stan, and everyone listening. Thank you for being here and being beautiful. And even though I can't see you, I'm sure you're beautiful anyway. You know. Yeah. And if you're not, we can't see you, so it don't matter. Yeah. I'll start with <laughs> you tonight. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.